0: I'm not afraid of
1: Welcome to episode (laughs) 53 of Zapped to the Past. Trying to give the different feel to the start of the episodes (laughs) these days, sort of thing. I might just do a round-the-world accents, but I probably won't. (laughs) I am Adrian Mills, and uh, and I'm joined, as always, by Mr. Graham Raddings. Hi. If you have not listened before, this is a podcast where we discuss games that were released for the Commodore 64. Last week, we looked at our first batch of games from issue 25 of Zap64, which we are in no way affiliated with, and were invigorated by Into the Eagle's Nest, angered by Aftermath, and shuddered at Shaolin's Road. This week we conclude our look at the games in May 1987, along with what was lighting up our TV and cinema screens that month. To Graham. Tell us what we have going on in this episode. In this ridiculously overpriced boutique hotel, with a
0: stroke inducing minibar containing 9 quid bottles of water, 8 quid packs of peanuts, and 6 quid Mars bars of an episode, we take a scrolly trip into the troubled futuristic world of the violent travelator based Teddy Boy commute in the decapitating Shockwave Rider, rotate, shoot, and spin through the blocky budget backgrounds and torrid tunnels of death in Cyber One, and by an old castle and then check the small print to see that we will need our best demon repellent in the instructionally challenged Conquest. We also go for a 3D-ish trip down Light Cycle Avenue at brain-straining incomprehensible speeds in the Zoomy Sunstar, go on another bug hunt on LV426 with the exact same Space Marines as before, working our way through the ridiculously challenging Activision minigame version of Aliens, before grabbing our joysticks and hammering the fire buttons till our fingertips literally explode in the Minter-inspired, no frills, no story, kill-em-all, budget-shoot-em-up madness of Pod. If that drunken minibar Claro hasn't quite triggered a fraud alert from the bank and drunk logic makes you think room service delivered smarties would be a laugh. We boo, hiss and throw cabbages at the village idiot arcade conversion of the underwhelming and unfinished elevator action. Honk in misnomer rage and go beep, beep, beep while we reverse away from the total crap garbage of Terminator and dive into the dull multi-choice and crusty gym sock world of the 80s teenager in the laborious growing pains of Adrian Mole. Finally, we get our rotation on in the technically spinny and hard to explain game logic of Laser Wheel before wincing at the thought of a cassette game for 15 quid in 1987, reading the obligatory badly written sci-fi novella guff and entering the sludge speed world of yet another CPU and life-draining vector game dump that we like to call Cholo. The merry month of May could have been a budget bonanza. Instead, this lineup is the equivalent of watching a poorly cat dry heave to German techno. It ain't going to end well. Super. Super, super.
1: All that sounds... Actually, I know what's coming, so no, it sounds awful. Delicious. It sounds bloody awful. No, it does not It sounds anything. Right. Something we used to do, we haven't done, and people have pulled us up on this, was look at the cover for Zap. So let's have a look at the cover for this month. Uh, the cover for this month is a weird one. It's not a game, it's uh, it's basically Zap proclaiming how good they are. Yes, it's a very triumphant self-proclaiming thing. Yeah, so it's the it's the spaceship Zap 64 shooting lots of attacking CNVG and CU, Commodore user it, yeah, spaceships. It is
0: those things, isn't it? Those are the logos, yeah, yeah. That, yeah, yeah. yeah,
1: terrible. Top right is CNVG, the other ones are all saying CU, <laughs> um, and so it's basically them blasting the opposition, it says Britain's biggest selling Commodore magazine. Which is big news by then, because that's pretty clever. Yeah, yeah, they've done well for themselves. The boys done good. The boys have done good. It was, I can't believe it was a pound. A pound, as much as it sounds daft, was a lot back then. Uh, if you paid for it. What, what do you mean, if you paid for it? What do you steal <laughs> Did you steal it? I, I, I may have. Uh, I was a poor paper boy. I can't and, believe uh, you th- robbed it. <laughs> actually i didn't know i had it on subscription what um, no you didn't you robbed it robber no i had it on subscription at our from from our pet from our paper shop yeah uh, they yeah, would, hold, yeah. I would hold one back of course they would um, yeah and Robert. then i would steal another one and sell that on <laughs> for, for for mega profit you
0: stole it he <laughs> it's how pay, stole it
1: so <laughs> i paid for my backup board to copy all the commodore games oh, i was a it. i was i was a dark i was, was dark hours. he was a tape pirate The worst kind, absolutely. Well, I couldn't use discs as they wouldn't have been compatible with my system. And you didn't have one, (laughs) (laughs) exactly. Not compatible with my system. (laughs) There's no point in using discs. Fair enough. Fair enough. Um, so, yes, yeah, so Zap are defeating the competition. Well done, Zap.
0: Yeah, it's, it's just nicely drawn, in all fairness, and nicely rendered and yeah. stuff. So it's all right. Yeah.
1: It's all right. There you go. So, that's your cover. So, we've got loads of games to cover this uh, this week again. I think we've got 11 or so and film and everything. So, let's let's crack on, shall we, and get into our first game. <laughs> Graham, travel the highways and byways of the future and tell us all about your journeys as a Shockway rider. So the
0: Shockway riders, the Shockway is actually a series of travelators. So in the future, in this mysterious future, the paths, roadways, sidewalks, whatever you call them, have been replaced by travelators, which is what you get at like airports, isn't it? At least certain parts of the airport. Um, this is from the makers of Light Force. So this is Roy Carter and Greg Foley. So this is essentially FTL slash whatever they call themselves. Music here is also by Rob Hubbard. So take note of that because it's quite an interesting, if repetitive, ditty. So this is a game ten- essentially about travelling travelators, and being violent on them, really. Um, in the future, the great megacities... Uh, circled, encircled by motorised walkways, which are called the shockways. In this game, you are required to uh, traverse the shockways in order to complete um, what we call uh, a circle or a full circle. So you've got to go full circle, and that means travelling the eight districts on the shockway. So you've got to go around eight times, essentially. Now, in the future, these mega cities are circled by these shockwaves, and essentially, what they are are three layers on the screen: the three layers of parallax scrolling paths. So fast at the front, medium speed in the middle, slow at the back. And you are a sprite, um, which, all right, <laughs> character in this. And now zap. Attributed this to some weird character that doesn't actually exist in any documentation I could find. So you you essentially play a guy that is traversing the shockway to become the ultimate shockway rider. Now in Zap it said it's some kind of play on the name of Folis. I don't, I'm not, I'm not sure what all that's about. But anyway, so the aim, all the ultimate aim of all riders is to go full circle. So they've got to go for all the shockways. Or as you try and do this, there are criminals, innocent people that dress as criminals, uh, gangs and stuff trying to stop you from doing that. And where possible, they'll either kick you, punch you, throw things at you, do all the things required to stop you journeying your way around the shockways. Uh, On top of that, you've also got traps and things to avoid and speed ramps erected by the locals that are angry about said shockways. So you actually have to sort of make your way a little bit. Now, if you imagine kind of a version of knuckle busters that scrolled so the three layers of knuckle busters the top layer scrolls slowly middle layer middle layer scrolls middle speed and the bottom layer scrolls fast and enemies don't fly at you all the time like doing knuckle buses. They kind of jump into view and you have to sort of navigate punch because you've got, you can either punch these enemies or you can throw things at them if you pick the bricks and the things up you can throw. And so the idea is that you sort of make your way through these things. Now, um, the graphics in this game are quite interesting. You've got eight districts to get through, which are Northside, The Scrubs, East Park, Blackwall, South Side, Broadway, West End and Boulevard. And the idea is that you can get through those. Now, Progression through this game is tricky because once you get through each individual district, obviously the ante gets upped, you get more enemies, they hop up all across the platforms. You can push up and down on your joystick to sort of jump up and down the different speed shockways. You can move left and right on those and you can press your fire button and that is either punch or strike. And you can also throw objects in that direction. The graphics are a kind of medium res. You look a bit like what I imagine Alvin Stardust would have looked like in this game. <laughs> Um, yeah. sort of big sideburns. You're a bit burns. of a teddy boy, aren't yeah. Yeah, a bit of a teddy boy in this, but um, your character's kind of, you know, a, a bullish kind of sort of character and you're just sort of jumping along scrolling. Now, scrolling is nippy. The game kind of works. If you lose it, if you die, if you hit something, then you're weirdly, weirdly beheaded almost at every opportunity. So you always lose your head in this <laughs> yeah. game. But the game itself... Its play area is quite nice. The music obviously is hubbard, so the music's quite catchy. It's repetitive, but it, it kind of works. The game logic itself is quite nice. It all functions as the game should. They're trapped it in this weird story about making it around the shockway and you're a shockway rider and there's gangs and there's it doesn't really matter about any of that. The idea of the game is quite simple. Get, you know, get from A to B, kill as much as you can try and survive. And and that is, to its credit, it doesn't deviate from that particular... It doesn't add more complexity, more stupidity to that. It is what it is what it is. The issues I have with this a little bit are, I don't get that this is a game you're going to play for a long period of time. It's pretty boring and repetitive at the end of the day. And the music kind of makes that worse. Normally, Hubbard tunes of this type make the games kind of better i think this doesn't help here because it's kind of doing that's all good but if you're going to play that music over the period of eight districts and the districts are quite long and yes it's just long scrolling jumping punching avoiding and you're going to be doing that a lot i think the longevity of this game is the real issue the controls are nice speed's nice scrolling's nice graphics are okay there's nothing inherently wrong with the way it plays looks feels I think it's just a bit of a dull game. But it's $8.95. It's a little bit different to everything else we've seen. And it's an FTL game, which means it's got a little bit of polish and a little bit of graphic dexterity to it. I quite quite like it. I've always... Like the music for Shockwave Rider, I couldn't honestly tell you why. Really, it's just it's just kind of it's kind of interesting. But that said, the game itself is okay. It's nippy enough. You can do what you can do. Is this? It feels like more like a budget game, really. I think this is eight ninety five. It got eighty six percent in Zap. It feels like a. It's an eight ninety five game. I feel like it. It would have succeeded more if it was a bit lower in price. I think it's a. When these games are of a very specific game mechanic just fleshed out over a series of levels, I think maybe the price should be lower. And I think this would have succeeded a bit more if it was. But at the end of the day, this isn't altogether that bad. It's actually quite good. And it's certainly better than Something like Knucklebusters, Busters, which missed the mark massively. But uh, what do you think?
1: Uh, yeah. So, yeah, yeah you p a similar sort of ballpark, I think. The world of the future has turned into a massive, violent travelator where one touch with a criminal causes your body to disintegrate and your head to fall to the floor, which is kind of strange. I wonder what's going on there. It's very strange. Um, I thought, it, another way of describing this, you, you're right in how you described it, but if you if you basically took one half of the screen from InfoDroid and saw it from the side, because that does the three-speed three sort of travelling thing doesn't it as well so it's quite quite similar so if you flipped one of the sides and so you had the path in the middle at the top similar sort of thing it's nice yeah it's nice and fast has a good it's it has a simple feel to it there isn't there's not much more to this beyond the starting premise aside from deadly plants that appear at level two which can kill you at a single touch on the travelators i don't quite know what they are it's all very strange and and you know the 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 enemies are, are they always the same it's just those pink yeah sort of suited guys and the thing and i quite like you know they they could be hidden inside a granny it's all kind of strange isn't it so it's all it's all weird but it it was i thought thought it was kind of strange at first because in the first level you get like bonus lives for killing five innocent bystanders which is kind of weird you just have to kill the innocent to get extra lives and in the first level it's it's kind of an, an odd premise like what aren't you a vigilante not much of one.
0: Well, that's what it says in the Zap review. But that 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 idea of that you being a vigilante is not mentioned in any other documentation of any really? description. No.
1: Okay. That's a
0: Zap thing because I read that and I thought, okay, it says you're you're the vigilante in this and that and the other. You're trying to clean up the. Yeah, that's not mentioned in any other. And, and I mean in any other review of this or any okay. other documentation,
1: including the in-tape inlay. All right, <laughs> weird. Because it does make a bit more sense if all you're trying to do is go around because that was one of my main complaints about it. It's Like I said, it's nice, it's simple, but there's just not much more to do beyond that starting premise. So I just never felt like I was accomplishing anything. Um, I was never – I know, you know you're know, you constantly going left to right, but I just never felt like I was progressing. You have to do is get to – ne- I watched a – I think I got three, sort of three – three or four levels in all you have to do is get to a nebulous section of the level you're on in the time limit and there doesn't seem to be any way to actually know if you're close to completing the level did you find that was there was there something i was missing or i didn't see anything that was the same what i just yeah i didn't see any sort of thing like going oh you've done this much there's that much whatever and that was a bit of a problem because you you never knew how close you were it was just case basically just stay down the bottom and as as often as you can and move right as fast as you can and then that's how to complete it yep Obviously, you get less time to react and stuff, so it's harder. But whatever. I just so it was weird. And watching the YouTube video, people it was completed. It there's like 18 sections in the first one. I think 17, 16, 15. I'm at 18. It, just, it seemed random which how many you had to go. I think I would have liked because this feels that uh, it feels arcadey. It feels like it could have been an arcade conversion, but it's not obviously because it has that simple just keep going, get a high mm-hmm. score kind of logic, which is an arcade thing, but for a home computer game. I think I'd have just liked some kind of real and obvious target. So that notion of being a vigilante, of cleaning them up, you know, Death Wish 3 style, should we say, or whatever, and having to kill a set target of enemies on each section in a certain amount of time would have given it a bit more ob- objective-based and given the player a bit more of a target. And I think that's mm. what what, it, what it's missing. As it is, it's just an open-ended ride. It just becomes, as, as you have noted, just a bit dull and repetitive. So like some things in life, I just found this fun for five minutes um yeah, and and, yeah. and then just was like and i and I, th- I think that's how i felt about it back then because i did play this back then and i was wondering whether you know whether it was going to be a bit of a revelatory thing whether i was going to come back to it and go ooh, it's actually i missed you know I, maybe i didn't quite get this but i did get this back then it was exactly the same it's just a bit of a fun little arcade blast but without the arcade heritage so it feels like nine quid for a non-license which mm-hmm. seems a bit much yeah yeah agree um but it's, it looks nice, it moves nice, it's well programmed, it sounds nice. The music, as you said, is verbally hubbard, um, is the best I could sort of say about yeah, it. Yeah, it's lively enough. It's Yeah, it, it has all the constituent parts. It just needed some kind of target. It needed an objective. Mm, yeah. Uh, that's what it's missing. Is there anything more to say on it? I think that's about it. No. It? It's like like the game, there's a little, little more to it. So there you go. That's Shockwave Rider needed a 86 percent is high high for that game i think it is a bit i think think, for that i think they were sort of marking on its originality and the fact it was something new and different Mm, weren't they i think that's where they were coming at it from
0: the review said that and the the comments sorry from the reviewers kind of implied
1: that but yeah there you go that's shockwave rider all right but you know it's all right there you go let's move along let's move along quickly To our second game. So what is our second game? We were in budget. There's a lot of budget titles this uh, this week. Um, we could have done a cheapest Creepers, but we're not. We're just no. chucking them in because they're all over the place. So this is a £2.99 game. Uh, this is called, well, what is this called? This is uh, supposedly this is in the magazine as Cyber 1. Supposedly on the case, it says Cyber 1. But in the game, it's called Cyborg, which is strange. Mm. I can only presume that there is an actual game called Cyborg coming out quite soon. So maybe they didn't want the Clash... Unknown, I've looked into um, it, I do not know. Find anything. So yeah, I could never find anything, it's just down to Cyborg, whatever. So, um, what is Cyborg or Cyborg, whatever you want to call it? This is three types of games in this one, and I don't know why it was called Cyborg in the game, because I couldn't, I don't, do you actually play a Cyborg at all in this game? no. <laughs> No, I don't think you do, do you? It's like, no. Can at least Cyber 1 feels like maybe a call sign for your spaceship or a name for it, like the Vic Viper or something. So I could understand that, but Cyborg, no. Anyway, uh, what is this? The game starts oddly uh, with the theme from Battlestar Galactica on the title screen. Ah, oh, no, stupid. <laughs> We've seen this before in Strange Games, haven't we? to just use a tune from something. Um, Weird. All right, okay, this is a space... So what this is, it starts with, it's a space shooter. So you are actually... Um, I mean, the tune isn't terrible. It's not a terrible version of it. It's recognisable. So then you press fire and you're patrolling a huge starship, maybe at a battle Battlestar, perchance. And essentially what you have to do is you've got to clear it of enemies that have beset you. So this first section is a multi-directional shooter. You've seen these before. Z parallax take your pick time pilot it's one of them so you can rotate your ship and fly in 360 degrees there is kind of something weird though i'll come to that in a moment shooting enough for the the, the 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 enemies are just random and rather wobbly uh you shoot enough of those uh, wobbly baddies and it brings on the boss ship uh which you also have to shoot which just seems to randomly move about and it's not a particularly good sprites a multi-colored thing if you manage to kill that because well done. And then you have to head down a tunnel and it tells you to beware of the mega speed, which is a strange phrase. I don't know what a mega speed is, but um, essentially what this is, is a very simple uh, right to left scrolling tunnel sequence. You have to navigate your ship down a narrow tunnel that goes up and down slow and gets faster and faster, the mega speed, I guess. Faster and faster and faster and faster. It's quite tricky because it does get very fast. Uh, But if you manage to get through that, which is tricky, but you can do it. If you get beyond that, well, the problem I had there is that I don't know if the, an issue with the bug with the game, but my game just crashed. Um, which I was annoyed with because it took a few goes to get through that bloody tunnel. So what I was presented with, I was controlling a, like a, a like a white a sprite of some description, maybe the titular cyborg from, uh, from the top, and there was things moving around, but I couldn't move. I could animate it, so it would it was animating, but it wasn't moving. So I don't know whether the game had crashed or there was a bug in the uh, the bug in the uh, version we were using or whatever. But it, it I didn't particularly want, I didn't care because the problem is this is not a good game even for three quid. The shooting in the first section, as I noticed is very wobbly and erratic and. I hated the way you turn after you face a direction um so you kind of you've used left and right to rotate and up and down to go faster um and you turn but you'll st- still keep going in the same direction you were for about you know half a second or so and it just it just felt bad it just i know i can kind of see what they're going for but it just doesn't work in these kind of arcadey blasters you need instant reactions otherwise it just you just you know i don't like it so and there's a radar view as well at the bottom of the screen in that first section the top half is taken up with the uh, the, the sort of outside the battleship whatever it is and you scroll around in sort of a limited area it doesn't uh, not, it does wrap around but you're going around it but uh, there's a there's a review uh, a radar at the bottom but the enemies that appear on it are just dots and they wobble around all over the place there's no kind of sense that they're moving smoothly the tunnel section is just dull there's nothing to do just move up down one section a bit to avoid the walls that are coming at you very fast and it's just a memory test so once you get it you'll get it you know where to be you know there's no trial and error um so i don't know what the third section but it didn't look good i didn't find any of this enjoyable or fun in any way um and there are better shooters out there than this and and you know even three quid this is and three little mini games I'd still rather play something else than this. No, no, Cause no one, you know, the shooters rubbish. No one wants that tunnel section. And I don't know what the last section was. It's a bit of a mess. I thought, um, none of the sections are very good. Um, and the visuals and sounds are uninspired. Just nope. This was a big nope from me. Did you enjoy your time piloting the cyber one as a cyborg?
0: I don't have a lot to add to that in all honesty. Um, <laughs> no, I didn't enjoy it. Um, I like the battle cycle music because I like the Battlestar Galactica music. Um, but yeah. this is a three-in-one shooter in the sort of partially the Z vein. The side-scrolling bit was stupid because you have to just avoid stuff. It, well, the Tunnel of Death. Sorry, sorry, I meant to call it by its official name. <laughs> it just, I found the whole thing a little bit silly. The third level where you've got to find the hidden star, I'm like, I oh, just don't, if I'm hunting for hidden stars, it makes me feel a bit uneasy. <laughs> so I thought the graphics throughout this were blocky. They're quite unimaginative. Scrolling is quite good it? and and the some of the mechanics, actually wrong, some of the techniques of the game are quite nice. The scrolling speed is nice, the graphics are, albeit that they're quite blocky and unimaginative, Move around pretty, you know, a decent click. I quite like the way, sorry, controlled in part one in the terms that you could sort of, when you were flying around, you could sort of move your joystick and it kind of, almost like, almost like a skid logic.
1: Oh, did you like that? I hated that. I, no, hated I, it. I, I
0: quite, I quite liked it, but... It, it's, it's not dissimilar to other games we've tried, you know, where it's forwards of speed, down for slow down, and you're, you know, you're moving around. But it just felt, felt like it was a bit more responsive. It might have just been the mood I was in that day. But I felt that it was generally just quite boring. But I thought, could my boring and my general sense of dreariness be offset <laughs> by the fact that this wasn't full price? Okay, maybe a bit... But I don't know. I don't know. I felt like at 29%, I don't know if it's that we're being a little bit harsh. It wasn't, it didn't look that bad. It's not terrible, terrible. It's not, it's not great. But is it kind of middle of the road dull? Well, it, it does exist in yeah, In the, I guess. Yeah, in yeah. the 40 yeah, to right. 50% mark, really. I felt like this was this was being a bit kicked in the, in the knackers. But it's not the worst thing at this price. It's certainly not the best. It's just kind of a bit empty of anything that you'd really want to go through. So... Dull, uninspired, 2.99s with like a 2.99. battle star the
1: Battlestar theme.
0: Yeah, and there is that, you know, I quite like that. And it was quite a good version, so that's fair. That's fair for
1: me. It's like your, um, it's like your Pavlov reaction, is it, sort of thing? If you play, yeah. you're not going to like this sort of thing. I'm just going to put the Battlestar theme on, just in the foreground. It puts you in an instant good mood. I yeah, know you it's too a, well. did <laughs> yeah, <laughs> absolutely.
0: it's a great it's a great great theme that but i know it's, it's what i always play to you before i tell you bad news <laughs> Put you in the right kind honestly you, like- if i'm going out in the uh to the pearly gates at some kind of funeral <laughs> i, I want to go out to the the old uh, battlestar galactica theme. i think
1: you're going to go out in that pose as well best death ever yes yes i think I'm,
0: well i don't know about having a conquest game playing <laughs> in the background but Anyway, no. or, a, or a cyber one. But anyway, it doesn't matter. Yeah, it's just, you know, it, what <laughs> what this game is, is 2.99s worth of whatever it is. The trouble is, whatever it is isn't very interesting. So,
1: sad. No, no, it's nice. Nice tune. Is there. it the first of the
0: budget bastards? I think it is. <laughs> yeah, yeah this, is, this is crap. This is the battle of the bastards,
1: and, and that is the first one of the lot. It really is. Come and see. More, come and see. <laughs> there is more to come, I for sure. I don't doubt it. But yeah, I'm guessing maybe what's up next might be maybe. In, in with a shout. Maybe maybe Uh, maybe 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 so let's move on and graham you can tell us
0: all about your con quest yes i can actually so Conquest is a Mastertronic game. It was a 6502 conversion by Transform. I'm sensing that Transform either didn't do a lot of 6502 conversions or this was the only one they ever did. Probably because Hope so. it's not what you'd call great. So beneath all of this logic is a 15% rated 299 game. So that doesn't shout this is a quality product. It's described. Now, the in- what's interesting about this actually is the, the instructions in the cassette inlay compared to what you actually get because some of the criticism that I've seen of this is that the instructions are vague. Now, I'm not one to make judgments, but they are vague as fuck. so <laughs> Really? Yeah. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to describe some of them to you. So, oh, good, good, good. So this is described as a fully animated 3D icon-driven graphic adventure. Yeah, I would hesitate really? to say... Yes. <laughs> w- I'm not so sure about that. So in the game, you play somebody called Oscar... And you've moved into a new castle. And when you move into your castle, you discover that it already has residence in the shape of the demon Grell and his dastardly minions. The demon Grell. Grell's there. This is Grell's place. Get out. Grell lives where <laughs> lives here. Grell and his minions. So, and this is a quote. So to, quote, save your soul from the torment of walking through the fires of hell for all eternity, unquote. Which I felt was a bit strong. <laughs> um <laughs> Considering so light-hearted, um, you forgot to mention that when you were showing me around, <laughs> estate agent. <laughs> you've uh, you've got to get rid of Grell and said people because clearly, if you side yourself with Grell, you are welcoming the idea of walking through the fires of hell all just seems very extreme it's the, it's, the, sounds, it's the extreme end of punishment for buying a castle i
1: think it sounds to me like he's not read the buyer's pack before he's bought you know <laughs> well, he's done thinking. that thing on Ham, homes under he's the hammer that they're always advised not to do Needs some slight um work <laughs> you on the here?
0: foundations <laughs> and you are going to traverse the pathways of hell for all eternity oh <laughs> it seems a bit like why would you do that anyway <laughs> incumbent
1: squatters in the demon form
0: So the idea is you've got to get rid of Garel and company. Now, uh, the instructions for this game are really bad. And I mean that in the instructions that are in the cassette inlay because they don't really help you. In fact, I would argue they actually make things worse. So they describe some of the hazards like the snakes, which, by the way, I didn't encounter once. Um, But they also give really vague, stupid notions like, quote, different weapons will kill different aliens, unquote. Now, there's never a mention of aliens in this game <laughs> at all. It's, Just, gone, not, terror, it's gone terror of the deep on I'm us. not sure why. This is honestly a direct quote from the tape inlay. I don't <laughs> quite get what that means. But then after that, it says, and, quote, the globe of invulnerability can hold up to nine items. That's in the hints section. I'm, <laughs> I don't know what the globe of invulnerability oh, I found is. That. I did find that. Well, it can hold nine items. It's good that it holds nine items. That will help you in your quest for whatever the f- you're meant to be doing in this game <laughs> also so this this icon controls and these icon controls have two rows <laughs> the top row yes. is a graphic display of the items you have picked up using the object pointer the bottom row shows the icons that are used with the object pointer i've just written what the hell is this nonsense <laughs> What is, it, what is it? And and it says in a quote, it's just another quote. For example, to examine an object that you are carrying, you must have the object pointer pointing to that object and the action pointer pointing to the ex examin- to the examine icon. Then press the action key. It's just it's, it's, <laughs> so the confounding in- instructions aside, we should—I ne- don't think anyone's ever got through to figure out what the hell you go. The game itself is a, just basically a really crap attic attack clone. It's a Spectrum conversion, obviously, mm-hmm. and it's a really bad Spectrum. And go- now this would be a bad Spectrum game because it's a bad attic attack clone. So it's set in exactly the same kind of look and feel as attic Attack. So the attic attack kind of slash sable, but more attic attack kind of dungeon layout, doorways that are kind of in a top-down 3D-ish view. You run around those and in Attic Attack you would shoot the enemies with your weapon and try and collect stuff. Well, you don't have a weapon in this so you're just going to run around not shooting. Um, Yep. And just, you kind of run around trying to get through doorways which you can't always quite get through. Um, So it makes very little sense. You run around picking things up but you have no idea what they relate to, what they're meant to do or why because the instructions are so vague. So I'm not sure what you really have to do nor is it explained so the rooms are kind of all the same they all look like attic attack kind of rooms in that 3D-ish view, the sprites are all very Attic Attack looking. You're a single colour sprite, the background's a single colour, the sprite's a single colour. You run around in a single colour way. It looks and feels like Attic Attack on the Spectrum without any of the fun, guidance, idea of game logic. It doesn't make any sense. It's just bad. It's bad, bad, bad. So this is $2.99 and even at $2.99, this is just just rubbish. Why would you play this? I mean, there are other games of of this kind of type on the C64, which are way better. Um, now, there was just as vague, some of them, in the sense that, you know, you are running around a maze of stuff, picking up stuff and putting down stuff and moving around. But at the very least, they've got the pace and the wherewithal and the graphics. This is just a bad spectrum conversion of a game that clearly made no sense to anyone playing it, including those that wrote the instructions because they don't make any sense. You have no idea what you've got to do. You have no idea what the end point is. You're running around. And when it says 3D icon-driven graphic, I don't know what that means. I don't understand what they're on about. (laughs) The game they're describing is nothing like the game you play. And that, for me, is a big red flag. So this is just rubbish. More budget rubbish. Conquest. Con is the operative word there, I think. Yeah. But what about you?
1: Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm not going s- <laughs> to stray too far from that. It's so amazing. I didn't look at those uh, instructions, but I may have to go and seek them out or send me a link if you've got that. Like, this is a game that wouldn't have looked out of place on the spectrum in 1983. Is not really what you expect to be playing on the Commodore 64 in 1987. Um, Single colour monstrosities wander around pseudo 3D rooms that lead to dead ends and pointless crap interactions. Uh, this is poor and seems like a game out of place on all levels. The graphics are rubbish. The sound is weak. Sound is is really bad Nothing, is it? It's just no, b- b- no b- it's b- just
0: stupid It's <coughs> spectrum sounds.
1: Yeah. Sound is weak and the design is piss poor and have been done way better by, I mean, on the C64 by Wizard's Lair ages ago. If you ever play this, go Wizard's Lair. I think of. The collision to get through the side doors is annoying. Stupid. Because you have to go right at the base of them and it's just annoying. I found myself getting very annoyed with that very quickly. Having to micromanage an inventory as enemies bounce around the screen, constantly draining you of energy is bad. Pressing the space bar should have just switched you to the inventory and stopped the playing so you could install what you had and how to proceed, you yeah. know, just stop. You can't do this kind of fast paced stuff while having to manage an inventory. Just no, no, it's just crap on many levels. It's just awful. Yeah, it is a con. This is, a, you know, stupid. And, and you know, it's a, as you said, as we stated, sort of thing, a, a good advertisement for always reading the buyer's guide when you're about to buy a house. Yeah, why would you buy a castle before heading there, sort of thing, and finding it's full of bloody demons? Yeah, yeah, it's, it's a stupid uh, premise, demon grell. Don't you know, mess with that guy. Oh, Absolutely. That and aliens. Yeah. Well, the,
0: and don't forget, they're only mentioned once.
1: <laughs> well, you know, they only have to be mentioned once. It's still part of the, they're now part of the conquest law. <laughs> Honestly, that that cassette inlay is such a misleading
0: pile of crap. It made me laugh. Yeah. And, and it also got picked up on in, I think, Lemon 64 and a few of
1: the reviews. And they were like, what the hell is this game about? <laughs> no one knows. Because it's not about what they say it is. <laughs> no, it's not it's not no what it is though is is crap yep so let's let's spend no more time with conquest and move on we've got a couple more games still to go through and uh, then we're back and so let's let's move on all right so what we've got next uh that was conquest uh, so let's move in our next one uh is not a budget title it's an eight pound title this is a game called Sunstar. uh why is this called Sunstar? I couldn't quite figure out why. I don't know. Maybe I missed something, but who who knows? Um anyways, if space is not strange enough, uh, an alien grid system has materialized in a remote region of space and you've been sent off to investigate this grid system. So when nearing this object, your hyperdrive kicks in for reasons and launches you into the nearby grid, which starts the game itself. Okay. So this starts quite weirdly sort of thing. You just you, you I'll just I'll describe the game because this is an odd game. The screen the screen in the game is split into two. You've got the play area at the top and the UI at the bottom. There's no more story than what I've already said. So the UI is at the bottom. The main game is a, it's like a 3D view of a grid. So a grid runner, whatever. Imagine one of them, but in 3D. Beam rider, I suppose, something like that. But this is a proper 3D grid. You can turn left and right. So you've got a 3D view of this grid, which you can move around freely um, and at different speeds by pressing up and down to speed up and slow down. You can turn 90 degrees to the right or left as well. Um, by moving left and right. So a a, a way to think about this would be uh, like a 3D version of the bikes from Tron, I guess. Um, you know so if you imagine if you were in the actual bike itself seeing it and snapping yeah, left yeah. and right at 90 degrees that's kind of what this is but it's on a grid so moving around this grid because it's the, the graphics are perfunctory there's nothing much to it there's the grid and then some of the grid squares are filled in some of the grid squares are white and these every, these all move around so these are the kind of enemies or energy grids that you've got to sort of collect so those are white squares and you can fire and when you fire you you see a shot colouring the grid in front of you if you shoot the white squares this transforms them into energy crystals which you need to collect that they're green. So the square, move, the green, they still move about. So you've got to try and collect them, move into them and collect them. If you collect 10 of them, you can get into the hyperdrive cell. So this is a sort of a, a, an area of the grid that is blocked off by a door, which sort of moves around. So you have to time your getting through this into you know the right, po- right point. Kind of remind me of one of those shoot-em-ups like uh, Z, I think, where you had to sort of shoot the middle bit out. Once you get in there, you can shoot it, uh, shoot the hyperdrive cell, um, and then you move on to the next grid, which is differently laid out. So there are wall stuff. Anyway, ugh, it's just confusing this game. The UI at the bottom... Um, has three sections to it. It has info in the middle section. It has info information regarding your energy, uh, the number of cells you have and things like that. So you don't want to run out of energy. If you run out of energy, it's game over. There is a full view of the grid itself in the bottom right of the ui so in the bottom right of the screen you can see the whole whole grid and you can see the walls because there are walls that you don't want to bash into and some of the you know it's sectioned off so you have to navigate around the walls and things like that kind of like a maze but it's not a maze not because it's not there's just bits that you've got to go around in the bottom left uh of the grid uh, bottom left of the ui is a a more close-up view of your surroundings um which shows you 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 in the middle and anything moving around, but it's a bit more close-up, so you can kind of think, none of this is any use sort of thing because you're just constantly looking at the, the grid actually moving because it moves really quite fast. So... You need to avoid crashing into the walls or the white squares. The white squares, you've got to shoot them. If you crash into the walls or you crash into the white squares, uh, and they will crash into you as well because they move a bit randomly, you lose energy. You run out, that's game over, done. So it's quite perfunctory. The front end is just like, I think it just says press space to start or press run stop to start or something. You press it, you get a little intro sequence of your hyperdrive kicking in in this sort of 3D thing, and then you're into the grid and it's gone. You're on, you're off. Then this is uh, it's quite a well-made game, I thought. This runs pretty smoothly. Um, and everything works in its kind of old idiosyncratic way. You know, you shoot the white cells, you you pick up the green ones, you get enough energy bits, you move on to the next one. So there's nothing inherently bad here. The the 3D visuals are nice, they're fast, they're snappy, you can slow slow down and speed up. You need to be quite quick. The 90-degree shifting is quite nice. Kind of in a, also, ball blazer, I suppose, is another sort of reference point yeah, in yeah, that 90-degree snapping around left and right, but in this, you control it. The main issue with this is kind of like what we said about Shockwave Rider, and so I'm I'm quite surprised to see this only get fifty six percent and Shockwave Rider get eighty odd because I'd put these kind of similarish ish maybe at least a little bit less but there's just there's not there's a lack of variety in the design. Um, you don't really ever change from what you kind of doing in that first grid to as you move along. You just just shoot the white crystals. You try and kind of at least that's what I found. Um, it's quite hard to actually get anywhere because uh, you seem to run out of energy quite quickly. Um, and it's tricky to navigate the grid with the white squares random movingly about, and then the crystals do the same thing because everything moves at quite such a pace that it's, it's hard. Because you obviously move at 90 degree turns, moving at 90 degrees means you've kind of got to work out where a white square is and then get alongside it and turn it. But by that point, it's moved up a grid square. So you need know, to turn and turn right and left again quickly. And it can get a bit, you know, your brain starts to go, I can't quite work out what's going on here. So all this is all you do. And the problem with that is it just never raises this above perfectly programmed average. There's a really nice idea for something here. And I think with a bit more consideration, of what else could have been done. Maybe more varied enemies, more varied wind conditions, stuff moving around, things to collect, something or other. This could have been actually a really good game, but as it stands, it's like what we said about a few games. This reminds me of that um really good three D shooter um that was done by sky sky yeah yeah um yeah yeah, so it's technically it's a really nice tech demo looking for a more fully realized game we've seen a few of these where they've got some really nice tech and clearly the competent programmers behind it who's done something nice but needed someone to come in and go well that's great what's the game where is it what what else are we doing because that's going to get old quickly that's all you're doing and i get it with these you know these 30 year old games but at this point, I think we, we need, you know, 1987, we're seeing games with more to them. And I think this is one of those games that, with a bit more thought, consideration for its actual overall design, could have been really good. And that's a bit of a shame, because what is here is, is well-programmed and technically very clever. But I just, and I would just wish there was more to it. That was my take on this. What did you think, to the oddly named Sunstar?
0: Yeah, it's Glenn G. Cassim, wasn't it, CRL? Um, yes. There's, there's things to like here. Uh, quite, it's weird, This game is weird. There's no doubt about that. Mm -hmm. It is a weird sort of 3D, almost like you say, a light cycles sort of 3D Tron thing. There's a frantic pace to it. The 3D visuals are pretty interesting. I like the way it it, it moves at a pace and it, it controls okay. The game itself isn't, of it isn't terrible um the graphic the way it does the graphics and everything else it's really fast and it feels like you're flying along and it's it, you know you're careering along a thing it's just a bit incomprehensible all of it's a bit un- incomprehensible It's you know it's a lot of flashing yeah, lights yeah. and flashing visuals and movement around and diving about it took me a while to figure out how to get the game started because it wasn't immediately obvious so it just sort of flashing visuals and sort of sounds <laughs> yeah. at me yeah um and when it, as soon as you start you're off at a breakneck speed flying about I I like the styling of it. I like the tone of this. I just think this is, it just, it sort of fell back on its central zoomy, 3d effect and lacked anything that made it a really coherent game i have to say also i think maybe it was just a bit too quick for my slow brain it moved at a real pace i mean don't get me wrong this game moves fast and and the graphics are fast when you shoot you know when it shoots in that 3d way down like that sort of tunnel effect sort of 3d effect there those are those things are really good to the the programmer's credit the whole thing moves at a real pace It just feels a little bit like an incomprehensible journey into something I'm not quite sure what I was doing. And for that reason alone, and it didn't deviate from that. And there's a game that's similar in the way that it's a very fixed focus thing. This almost feels like a a game that was a bonus level between something else. That there there could have been more to this if this was the bonus level and there was more more of a game around it, then it might have Mm. held more coherence but because it didn't have those things it just felt like a ninety-five's worth of of average which is a shame i don't think actually actually on reflection i don't think this is an average game there are really great things about the way it looks and the graphics and everything else i think what it is is an average game design because there's nothing really to it i think they just had a nice programming no idea and somebody put some tech demo together and it just didn't really get out of the starting gates more than anything that was beyond that. So that's what I thought.
1: Yeah. Well, yeah, it's pretty much what I said really. Yeah. I think, I think we're in agreement there. It's just a, it's looking for a designer's touch It's, a, it's a, you know, a very good tech demo, but looking for a designer, it's a bit of a shame because it could have been, you know, another, another something that you kind of come across and you look first, first impressions are, this is interesting. And you're right. When you first play it, you are a bit, hey going through the um the endless whatever it is in two thousand and one. But once you start to get your head around it a little bit, you see it and then but then you realise, oh, that's all there is. Oh, uh, okay. All right but you know could have been could have been a bit nice and it could have been a bit bit deeper just something more to it bit of shame but hey ho I think 56% is harsh in giving Shockwave Rider 80 odd I think there's parallels between the pair of think I
0: think Shockwave Rider is more instantly playable I think this isn't
1: I think yeah I wouldn't put this up with it but I think that there's there's, I think they share same similar faults no
0: I think the score I think the story I think the story I think the score is about right I think Shockwave Rider because it has that almost Arcadian sprite logic to it so you you've got a person sprite that you move around because yeah. when you're in 3d space it, it it's very difficult to grasp the central premise of who you are and where you're at if it's at breakneck right. speed from the get-go if you if it with a shockwave rider you've got a thing to control and i think the problem with the uh, this game is that you don't feel like you're in control of anything really right away
1: no that's, that's a fair point fair point all right there you go that's sunstar we've got one more left and it's a revisit to a a, a, a property that we've already covered what could that be let's move along and find out Graham, we looked at the UK version, was that last week, last month? It was some last time episode, ago? I think. Was it? Okay, because in this one, you're going to tell us all about the US version of Aliens. Yes, the, well, the
0: Activision version of Aliens. The Activision version, yeah.
1: So this was
0: uh, created by Steve Catwright, Glyn Anderson, Peter Kaminsky and Gene Smith, with the music by Russell uh, Leiblick. So uh, what this is, is really a game made by the guy that made Hacker and Hacker 2. Uh, under an yes. Activision license around aliens and so they've opted for a very different idea around how to create an aliens game. The Electric Dreams version of aliens was very much based around surviving an alien attack and you are different characters and you have to rotate on the spots. it seemed and <laughs> yes. navigate your way around that world. Okay the argument here is that they've gone for a more movie-led, sort of cinematic style approach to the actual gameplay, and I actually have to say I think it works better. So there's I think six, essentially six sections to this game and um, you have to basically work your way through the sections. So Section one is a landing of the drop... And they're basically... They are all based around parts of the movie Aliens. So in section one, part one, you have to land the drop ship on LV-426. In the next section, you've got to guide the Marines around to try and find a way out from the cooling tower to escape to the APC. In the third section, you've got to escape the med lab where you're being attacked by aliens and you've got to wait for a door to be cut through so you can escape. In the section after that, you're in an air duct and you've got to try and navigate your team around through the air ducts to try and find your way back to the drop ship. After that, you've got to go in as Ripley and rescue Newt and then make your way out past the alien queen. And then the final sequence of this is that you've got to fight the alien queen and, and obviously win the game. So mm-hmm. the idea, I, th- I actually I actually think the idea of working your way through game mini game versions of those sequences in the film isn't bad. I quite liked Mm -hmm. that. I quite liked the way that worked. I think it works as a better idea of an alien's game than the Electric Dreams one does in that it plays out one scene over a complex array of repeated backgrounds. This one at least has variety and the way you play out the things is kind of different in each one. So that said, this is intercut with semi-Scandin movie images. Now, I don't know if these are... Images that have been scanned and redrawn or whether they are redrawn bitmap images of the film Aliens but there's certain little clips and sequences of images that have, and film dialogue that appear in this all the way through, which really, because it's from Aliens, really, and because it has that look of Aliens, really lands it in the Aliens space. So right the way through this game, because it has actual dialogue from the film, because it leans on real characters and real situations, and because it has that thematic, it really feels like an Aliens game. And I think that's important, because if you, if you substituted the Aliens out of the electric dreams alien game and just put some any other alien in there i don't think it would have felt like an aliens game other than the fact that it had names in like ripley and gorman and stuff this one as it has its heart as an aliens game because it's really deeply enriched with the film stuff so that thematic and that look and feel and all of that tonality is great but what about the game itself how does the game work well that's where some of these problems begin with this the the mini games that you play are a bit hit and miss So the first game, which is where you've got to land the dropship, is taken from a section of the film where there's a small, almost vector-style circle that you've got to fly your ship through. Now, there's loads and loads of games subsequently where you have to sort of navigate your vehicle through a hooped series of gates. And I can think of at least some Mario games that have done it. There's, there's loads of games that have done this kind of logic where you've got to navigate your way through that. In this game, you're flying towards a planet, so you get this series of dotted hoops. And there are certain parts of the... Certain colours of these dotted hoops you've got to fly through to... Like, a bit like um, a bit like if you were on a ski slalom. There's certain gates you've got to hit and get through. There's certain ones you can afford, afford to miss, but you can't miss too many. The problem here is that this is incredibly hard. The sequence goes on for ages and mm-hmm. ages. Mm-hmm and flying through these things is fine. If they were all in a reasonable direction, because you control this with your joystick, so you're sort of up and down, left and right, you're navigating the front part of the dropship as it flies through space towards a, a space towards a planet, and you're navigating it through what's essentially these sort of small circles. Problem is the circle's distribution gets quite wild and quite varied, and unless you have a real strong directional compass, I think you're gonna fail, because it lasts for ages, this section, And it's really, really hard. So as you fly through this, you get this really weird, almost surfing game style music. The music's completely wrong for this section of the game. It feels really wrong. Out of all the sections of the game, this feels like visually it's the most Aliens-like, but thematically and everything else, unlike Alien. It doesn't quite work and it goes on for too long. So if you can make it through that, make it through all the various um, tunnel sequences, tunnel sort of uh, flags, and you get through these little hoops and you get through those. If you get through that, you get a bit more movie dialogue and you move on to the next section. The next section is actually a part of the film where, at this point, the Marines have gone into the infrastructure of Elfie 426 and they've found the, um, all of the various people cocooned in the cooling tower and they've been attacked by aliens and you've got to get out so you've got you've got to guide four of your marines out from this maze using the function keys to switch between the views of the four uh, marines and the top left is your sort of map, sort of visual view where you've got a sprite that you control you can shoot and strafe, the strafing part is actually quite nice, if you start shooting and move left and right, they stay in that direction and strafe the enemy, it's a nice touch because you will get attacked by enemies on the top right. You've got your um, sort of motion scanner, motion tracker, which gives you an indication of the direction. And I say indication of the direction the aliens are coming. But in reality, (laughs) there's just aliens coming. One of the problems here is that that doesn't equate to the direction they actually come from at you. And then Mm -hmm. underneath that view, You have the four marines that you can switch between and their kind of view, which is similar to the view that's in the Electric Dreams version. We have the kind of vital statistics, you know, the heart rate and all of that. And then like an image, when it flashes red, it means that there's aliens at that particular view. So you've got to flip between them. The idea of this all is that you guide them through the map and you guide them back to the APC. So you've got to guide these four Marines back. This, this again, this is insanely difficult to do. This is really, really, really hard because you get constantly attacked by aliens. You've got to flip between the screens. You've got a limited amount of, of ammo. This is, a, this is tough. This is a tough proposition of anybody. So even if you do get through that, the next section after that is that you've got to escape from the med lab. So it skips to another scene a bit further on in the film. On this particular section... You are on the right-hand side with a flamethrower. Aliens are running at you across the screen from the left. And you've got to kind of either burn them to death with the flamethrower or ward them off where they back off to give you a little bit of time so you can navigate and shoot them. All the while, in the bottom left-hand corner, there's a cutting tool being sort of cut through a a steel door. And it's slowly working its way round to try and cut its way out of this door or cut its way in or weld it shut. I'm not sure which it is. But either way... You basically are buying time. You've got a limited amount of uh, marines that can go through. So, so many aliens can get past you and so many can't. Obviously, as time progresses, the aliens that are running at you get faster and faster and faster. To the point where, in actuality, I think some of them are impossible to get past. There's Some some of them you simply can't. So, Mm -hmm. you, you have to sort of accept that and just try and get through this particular sequence. Assuming that you do that... Um, You're then in quite a neat sequence, actually, which is in the air ducts. Now, in the film, this is after that sequence where you're uh, Ripley and Newt and a select few of Marines. In this one, you've got all the Marines, but you don't have that in the actual film. But you've got to try and navigate your way through a maze-like air duct, basically trying to navigate your way through to the APC at the Uplink Tower. And you're sort of going through a lot of air ducts, and there's aliens attacking you at this point, and you can actually set aside Marines. You're basically Ripley and Newt. As characters surrounded by Marines, you can leave Marines behind who will detonate grenades and blow up in the in the air ducts and, and kill the aliens to following you around. The idea is that you've got to work your way through this complex maze, and it is complicated, and I would again argue very difficult, in order to get to the next section. So when you get to the APC, unfortunately during that particular sequence, Newt, the, the little kid in the film, has been captured by an alien and taken away and been cocooned or whatever they call that. So in this particular section, it's it's the point in the film where you have to go back and rescue Newt. So the top left view that was in the level two was of the Marines becomes you and Ripley in the sort of same alien landscape, being attacked by aliens and you can shoot them in the same way. Top right is your tracker to find Newt. So you have to follow that, the directions, north, west, south, mostly south and west, I think, try and find Newt as you go through when you find Newt, she's cocooned and you release her. And then you've got to find your way back to the lift. If you do that, obviously, like the film, you're going to run into the alien queen, the alien eggs. And there's a whole sequence of events that have to happen in order for you to stop trying to escape. You've got time limit. Pretty exciting. It's one of the best levels in the game. And in actuality, you could have almost made the entire game built around that particular bit. That's the best bit of the game, best bit of this so far. Really does feel like you're in that kind of aliens landscape. The sound effects, the aliens attacking you and everything else, it works really well. And the final sequence is the alien queen fight. So um, you get a nice mini... Sort of sequence from the movie with some nice screen grabs of Ripley in the power loader sort of image, you know, the classic get away from her you bitch image. We've all seen it a million times and you've got to sort of bash the alien queen about with your sort of robo claws for want of a better description. When you do that over a period of time, you can then grab it, throw it down the airlock. Everyone's happy. Queen's down the airlock and the game's well on its way to being complete So there's a number of really interesting things about the way this game is constructed. You're playing through the Aliens film scenes. That in and of itself is an interesting thing, an interesting game mechanic, which many games later come back to do. Um, Not just in the C64, but later down the line, we see games where the, the film is played out through a variety of its scenes. Some of the scenes work, some of them don't, but they're all thematically linked and they're all better than the Electric Dreams game, I have to say. Graphically, this all feels nice Some of the graphics inside of the sequences where you're running around a maze are a little bit samey, but you're getting attacked by aliens. It's very difficult, but you do get attacked by aliens. They look like aliens. You look like the characters. The running around shooting and the strafing bit, it could have been on a bigger screen real estate for me, but it's still quite nice. It's a pity that the motion tracker things don't quite function in the way that they actually do in the film, but they do work better here than they did in the Electric Dreams version and it does all it does feel like you're progressing through a game. When you finish a level by the way in this you get a code So when you get that code, you can start from that level. This is a disc-based game. There's a lot, obviously, each of these is an an individual load. It's not one load like the Electric Dreams one was. This is more loads. And when you finish a level, you get a code for the next level. So you can start there. So you can always start off at that level. So there is a nice feel of progression through this. There's some nice details here. The graphics, I think, from the film that are in here are quite nice. All the power loader and, and the visuals, albeit that they're kind of weird digitized-ish versions of what they are. They do look like they're the part, and it makes you feel like you're in an Aliens game. Music aside, and the sound, sound effects are fine, the music's just weird and not from the film Aliens at all there's some details here that are nice it's really I can only imagine this game is ridiculously impossibly difficult to do I mean I was lucky that I had level codes so I could type in the code and start from that level and, and just you know try my best it didn't last long in some of these levels they're so hard especially some of the maze one type ones even the initial the, I think actually the initial level of going for the tunnel is one of the hardest out of all of them um, and they just get harder and harder I like some of the parts I like the marines and the complexity of the fighting I like the way you can strafe there's some nice graphic details but are you ever going to get there and one of the key things about a game of this type is you've got to feel like you're gonna be able to beat the aliens. If you can't have that feeling after level one or two, why would you continue on? Because you're just gonna feel browbeaten and and difficult. And I'm not sure that there's enough variety and game in there to make me make people really want to continue right the way through to the end. I did. Um, I persisted with it because um, once you know the tricks and you've got the codes to get to the levels, you know, you're on uh, to a winner. But I think there's a good game in here. There's a nice thematic and it really links into the film Aliens and I like that about it. And it is a a series of mini games maybe, but are the mini games too hard? Well, I think they are. And I think that is is going to impede your progress in this game and really affect your enjoyment. But what about you?
1: Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) i think we're on different different planets you may be on lv426 i think i'm blown up in the stroma at this point i didn't like this at all i really didn't um i thought it's a it's a loadable attempt to bring the entirety of the film that's what is quite you know i appreciate that to bring the into the c64 but i just thought all the that's all great i think the, the, the weird well not weird but the like the cutscene at the beginning where they're talking about oh it's just another bug hunt done with that bitmap screen and the comic comic bit at the top you know the comic text at the top sort of thing and all that and the weird you know, conversations in the beginning, sort of to sort of hide the loading screens and things that go through. That's all right. And the, like you said, the power loader stuff, all good. All the bits around it, fine. I didn't like a single one of the mini games, and so on that respect, I can't, I can't. You know, nothing appealed to me. I thought, I thought the, like you said, the opening in the pipe five by five section was just ridiculously hard. It's just, and you get, it goes on forever. It goes on for ages. It's like it felt to me like as punishing as that opening section. And maybe it's us and we're old and we don't have good reactions i get it but at least there is a code to get past it that's handy so that's good um it felt reminding me you know of the um not quite as hard, but almost up there with the opening section to Escape from Singed's Castle, the Bloody Rocks, um, that kind of thing. It's that kind of logic again. I didn't understand, and this is just a harken back to what you did in um, the hacker games, like you have to identify the alien's paraphernalia. Kind of weird. Um, I didn't understand the point of that. Did you? I don't know. Did it serve any point or purpose or any way through? Was it a copy protection thing? I just thought it was Maybe. just a, a weird thing. I just didn't think any of played well. I thought the, the the Marines looked, you know, the actual graphics in that maze section um, where you're going along. The, the spot effects were dreadful. The graphics were weedy sprites. I think you know, the Marines, yeah, okay, the aliens, yeah. yeah the spray all right and things like that, but I managed to get one through to the power loader, so I did manage to get out of that section. So I did get through, but then that next section where you're just on the right and aliens are running in from the left on those tracks, whatever. Like you said, it's just impossible, and it, it it kind of is. You know, they're just waiting there in a tunnel, waiting to be picked off. It's a bit odd. There's there's ways and ways of doing this, and I get what they've gone for, but I just didn't find any of the mini games enjoyable. And I think that's the you know whether you like the Electric Dreams one is by the by so that has a central premise and sticks to it and just does the one thing. Whether it's good or bad is put that to one side. You know, that's down to your own interpretation, you know, your own preference. I think. I just thought this was a whole lot of good presentation, bad game. I didn't enjoy the games and I think that's where it falls down. I get what you're saying about it feeling like Aliens because there's so much Aliens in there, like they've taken whole hog, you know, whole hog, they've, they've taken huge chunks, chunks of, of dialogue, script, yeah. chunks of script. So I get I get all that and, and that that's laudable in the, in the way that they've tried to attempt to translate the film into this, oh, you play through sections of the Aliens game and the way they've tried to sort of put them into some kind of game logic type thing and, and try to make it all work and i get it and that's to their credit they, they, they pulled they kind of pulled it up but just none of them just didn't find any of them enjoyable and that's that's where i landed so i don't know if for me it was just a, I don't know it was just it was a it was all production over substance for me yeah um that that's where i that's where i landed well i so. think at the very least what it does
0: is um uh, contextualize the idea of lv426 and the aliens into something coherent my I mean, I liked I liked both versions, don't get me wrong. I liked the Electric Dreams version for different reasons, and I like the mm. um, Activision version. But, but the one thing that the Electric Dreams version lacked was a coherent link to the thematic of, of aliens, of the film aliens. It, it, it alluded to it more than it was direct. I think because this is direct, I think it's right in your face. You can't escape the idea yes. that this isn't it. I think, and I think that's to its credit. But like you say, there are issues with the mini games. There are.
1: There's no doubt about that. And the difficulty is, for me, a real blocker. Yeah, yeah. Just they don't play very well. They're just that, the, the actually when you're moving through the maze and at the, the second level, and then you just get your uh, motion tracker all light up and you just have to wait until they wander on and get level with them and shoot them until they're all gone and then you can move on again. Try and find each other in the maze and then moving through. It would have, you know, I would have liked to. Like I said in the, the Electric Dreams one, once you've met up with a teammate, have one follow me. <laughs> things like that. Yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. yeah. No, the, the, simple
0: there are, things like that. There's where logic have,
1: that isn't there. There's no doubt about which that. You, which would have made it more, rather than having to flick back two screens to bring him forward, two screens to bring her forward. And it's like, oh, okay. It's all right. As I said, it's all presentation. 66% is, I think, bang on for this because it's all, it's, all, it's all show for me. Yeah. It is. It's all surface and, and, and I don't think the actual mini games themselves they're just I can see that they're okay. They work and the whole thing works, but I didn't really find any of them interesting. And I think that may be what you what you're alluding to in the I think the difficulty slide was off the is, is is out of whack. I think there's a there's the difficulty side, but the one thing I would put aside from this, just as a as a
0: and it's unique to this game really, mm-hmm. I think. Is that you have this Activision released version and there is also the electric dreams version and i think from a consumer point of view now where do where do you go with that what do you do with that i think mm-hmm. that they shouldn't this is a weird thing to release it's just it's a little bit of a kick in the knackers for the people that worked on the aliens electric dreams version because that was a licensed version as much as this is a licensed version i just don't i don't quite get the motivation of releasing two game licenses for the same thing yes that there's differences between the games but no at the end of the day on a shelf Aliens and aliens are going to be side by side. They are in the alphabetic column. And I just think to myself, what was was the marketing and production motivation for Activision to release that game? Knowing that Electric Dreams, and they gave the license, must have given it, or at least given permission to Electric Dreams to release that. I don't don't quite get what's going on there.
1: This was probably maybe, and I don't know, but I I don't ever remember seeing this version over here um, in the UK I remember seeing the Electric Dreams version on shelves. Well, it must have been here because Zap reviewed it. Well, they did, yes. I'm not saying they didn't, but I don't remember ever seeing it in like boots or anywhere like that when we were time. I remember seeing the, the Electric Dreams one and I remember playing the Electric Dreams one. I'd never played this one before. And that maybe because it's disc-based. The only thing I can go to is,
0: yes, um, I, I remember renting this from J&M Software in Grimsby. And that was the, when, I, when I rented the tape version, I got the Electric Dreams version. Yeah. When I rented the disc version... I got the Activision version and maybe that's maybe that's a separation.
1: And I I think that yeah so if you think about uh, the US and the UK the US was a much more disc-based country. Yes. That they didn't you know to take stuff over there was mostly unheard of is my understanding they were mostly on disc over in the us whereas in the uk we would tape tape people and so i know people had some people had disc drives i know but the majority of people that i knew had tape but if you think about you know if you walked into boots or you walked into wh smiths you didn't see many disc-based games is what i'm saying mm. to buy
0: yeah that's very true yeah they were all tapes weren't they on the on yeah the, on the so display, that yeah.
1: The, the the marketplace was tape the, yes, but yes, the US, I think you're right. My understanding is it's disc. So and, and that must be it. Maybe Activision were just aiming at two different markets and making use of the disc-based space, space. I think there must
0: have been. I just find it really odd. I mean, I suppose this is because it's the, the nature of it being a not single load. So Yeah,
1: and don't forget at this time Activision are, are bloody weird. They're releasing things like little computer people, alter ego, yeah, portal. No, I, I get it. I, I get the idea of them being diverse. I just think it's a
0: bit of a weird thing to have on the shelf at the same time. I mean, can you imagine releasing Whizball, the US version, at the same time as Whizball or Green Beret, US version? It's just (laughs) the idea. But I mean, as much as that's a weird extreme version that didn't happen, the idea of doing that is kind
1: of strange, isn't it? Yeah. It's a strange thing. It is. This version of Green
0: Beret, what would would that hold?
1: (laughs) I'm trying to think if there's actually another, you know, another license where there are completely different games for different regions. Well, do you know what?
0: The best part about this podcast is our amazing community of listeners. And And I feel sure that our amazing community of listeners are going to dig out and find interesting things about that very premise. Because it's something I'm quite interested in, so we'll put it to our... Um, discord Illuminati and we'll put it out there because <laughs> <laughs> they, they are a very very brilliant bunch and put it out there but I'm very interested to think of other games that have aligned themselves to this kind of disc versus tape thinking yeah. and also because I think it's it, I think it's fascinating and also I know, I know uh, like, and also you know to to see what people think about it
1: I know of games that have had sort of sort of content altered between regions and that, not on the c sixty four but Silent hill the original Silent hill springs to mind mm. where in the u s And I think the Japanese version here in the school, there are the little creatures that run around are little sort of zombie babies. And they changed that for the EU version and just changed them into like little weird monstery type things. They're not babies, but... So there are... I know of those kind of things, but I don't know anything on such a grand scale as this. And
0: I think it would become more extreme when we think, think... You have to think of almost extreme versions of games. The only one that springs to mind immediately is the various versions of something like Mortal Kombat... Where you have
1: versions that have blood, versions that have green blood, versions that have this. Yeah, but it, there's still but it's still to the beat em it's still the beat them up's still the same. It's just a blood change. That's like the babies. I'm on about a completely different game. Yeah, but what I mean is it's where you've got a company releasing v- a variation of a licensed yeah. idea
0: with, with a with a difference of theme and thematic. Yeah. And I'm sure our our amazing listeners will come up with other alternatives. Oh actually, Super Mario two. I'll take your word for that.
1: Well, Super Mario Two in the U- in the Japan was a proper sequel to Super Mario Super Mario Brothers Two, but they re- they re- they thought it was too hard for the rest of the world, so they got a game called uh, What's it called? It's a diff- completely different game, and then they re that with Mario sprites and released that to the rest of the world. A okay. completely different game. So there's an example.
0: Okay, I'm thinking more like um, the aliens. Activision is a cinema style version of a game. Are there mm. non cinema wear style versions of a similar thing? And I'm sure we'll come across them, but interesting. It's, it's an interesting little sojourn, isn't it?
1: It is, yeah. Let me just, hang on a
0: minute. I'll give James Cameron a ring. I actually have his number on speed dial, so I'll just ring him. Hang on, I'm going to do it right now. One second. Just give, <laughs> give me a second. <laughs> so, hang on. Hang on. I'll, hang on. Hello. Hang on, Is hang that hang James? Up. Hi. We're just talking about the, how did you know we were talking about the 60s? No, I'm not blue. What? What? <laughs> No, no, no. Uh,
1: okay, no okay, no.
0: Okay. orange. No, no. The it's Doki Doki no. Panic.
1: Uh, Ad said Doki Doki Panic. <laughs> no, <laughs> no. I did. So no. Doki Doki Panic was a game that was released in Japan, and then they reskinned it with the Mario skin and released it elsewhere as Super Mario Bros. Two, which was different, completely different to the original Super Mario Bros. Two okay. release in Japan. Um, just one second, Eddie. I'm wearing blue <laughs> underpants, James.
0: Blue. <laughs> I think blue. <laughs> No, no, there's nothing creamy about that, right? I'm off now. Goodbye. Sorry about that. Um, yeah, no, I, I'm, I, I think I'm with you there. And uh, James aside, um, I think uh, I think we should uh, just you know let's rely on our amazing listeners. The, the information you've got there with Mario and everything else, the, I think you're right. I think there's there's there is a there is a case history here for this kind of thing. Is this the first thing? This is what I'm thinking is this the first time this has happened? There must be other things. Are we uh, and also cross platform. As well, so you know it's easy to look at the C64 or the the NES, snares, mm. whatever. But you know, has this happened where the C64 version was this and the Spectrum version was that?
1: Who knows? Well, Cobra is an example of that. Never, ever,
0: ever say different. the word Cobra.
1: <laughs> I won't. I think on that note, let's let's uh, let's round off this part. Aliens is different. Uh, oh god I'm, I'm, I'm lost I'm completely lost I where think, are we I think
0: we're done for this particular part of we're done of the for games. this section
1: yeah. we'll be back um, after this break um, we'll be looking at film and TV in May 1987 so for god's sake please stick around
2: the novel Escape from the Commodore 64 by David Hearn is out now Growing up in the 80s is a chore for Sarah, who feels misunderstood by her parents and badgered by Reese, her bothersome brother who incessantly prattles on about his treasured computer games. When Reese tells her one of the games tried to pull him inside the computer, she laughs off his fanciful fib. She waggles the joystick to disprove his fairy tale and is pulled into the computer. Now trapped in games she'd never had any interest in playing, how can she possibly beat them? With the help of feisty Nell, another trapped player, can Sarah find her way back home, or is it game over? An evil madman, a hostile planet, bloodthirsty robots, a never-ending throng of karate experts, and relentless digital soldiers will do their best to ensure Sarah never escapes. Available from Amazon and all good online retailers, find out if there's a way out of the beige bread bin of betrayal for Sarah in Escape from the Commodore 64.
1: Hello, welcome back. Film and TV in May 1987. It was a barren time. It was a barren month where we didn't have much to do, but hopefully the weather was all right, so we could go out and play a bit. Or maybe we just played a lot of Shockwave Rider. I don't know. Want a lot to watch, I can tell you that. So, uh, uh, so who knows what was going on in, in film and TV. Let's have a look, shall we? Let's see what little delights we have going on. <laughs> 3rd of May, uh, we had the first of two series of groundbreaking youth television. First of two series of groundbreaking youth television show, Network 7, starts airing on Channel 4. It's shown live at Sunday lunchtime. There you go. That started. Did you watch any of it i think i did i think it was at the time something sort of when i would have probably been interested in this i was 15 year old so um i would probably watch this yeah it was janet street porter created it once she and had yeah. uh, magenta divine uh, as one of the presenters good she liked she was always she was always inherently very very cool magenta divine she was it's a good it's
0: a good name though magenta is, yeah, Divine, isn't it
1: bob bob black haircut yeah bob black hair with them. Um, sort of always wore sunglasses yeah and just it, it, i just remember it was a bit of a strange show I, I think it was probably maybe a bit too old for me i don't know but i always kind of would like to watch it but um I, I remember nothing from it i know it sort of led on to a lot of sort of other shows that kind of took a lot of influence from this but um i don't know what it was did you watch it much do you remember much of it i remember dick spanner which was like a animated <laughs> show that was on it i have a
0: feeling that aeon flux maybe was part of it but i don't know for sure because that could have been something else that was an animated show that later became a film with charlene Theron. i genuinely don't remember a lot about it i remember more the mtv well i actually remember a lot more of the graphics and the styling and the 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 the, the way that the thematic of the show which Hmm. was very much based around the mtv styling mtv at this time this is pre all of the crazy reality show crap that mtv now is known for this yep. is pre any of that so this is when MTV was around music and music videos and stuff like that and so network 7 borrowed a lot of its iconography and its graphic its TV graphics from that kind of idea of MTV now I don't remember much about it other than the you know the way it looked and the and it uh, and its appeal it didn't appeal to me directly and it was on the wrong it was on the wrong time for me because it was on Sunday lunchtime well i was normally in bed at that point no so (laughs) that's true you were (laughs) periodically i I might wake up and when i did wake up and put the tv on it was something there was that weird animated show dick spanner i don't remember much about dick spanner either i just remember the name and stuff like that so it's a bit of a, a bit of a misnomer a bit of an anomaly the one thing i would say is i didn't have mtv i i've never had mtv until I was an adult and got Sky TV as an adult. As a teenager, I didn't have any access no. to anything other than an, no. the terrestrial TV stations. My mum my and dad point blank refused to pay for a Sky dish and they wouldn't have anything like that on the house. And so I enjoyed MTV from friends that did have the dish at the time, which was my friend Simon and co. And so he mm. would record most of the output of that onto vhs tapes and bring them around for us to watch which is kind of an alien idea now this is the equivalent of sharing something via youtube or or tiktok
1: mm-hmm. but he
0: would come around and share these videos with us and we would watch them so my understanding of the thematic of mtv was based from what i'd seen through vhs tapes recordings of mtv and network seven was the closest i could have got to that but it didn't connect because mtv didn't really connect with me so that's the way it was no
1: i can understand that I don't. I mean, I re. re I remember it. Remember watching it, but nothing rings a bell. They had regular programming segments. Flesh and Blood was a mini series running. 40 minutes, I mean, Dick Spanner, as you said. Ro- Room 113, I seem to remember, was a pre-recorded one-to-one psychological celebrity interview. Don't remember it. rings a bell. True or false showed a pre-recorded bizarre real-life story and the following week revealed whether the story was true or false. Mm, okay. In Series 2, viewers could voice their guesses via a phone poll. Film on 7 showed a short one-minute film made by students at L- London International Film School. Those kind of things are quite innovative, I think, especially that last thing where you're giving students an opportunity to get your short films out on... No. National Completely Broadcasting. It's quite amazing, really.
0: Yeah, yeah. This was a this was a remit for them. It's channel this was Channel Four's early days, amazing things that Channel 4 did. They don't do it now.
1: No, well, they're not allowed either. They get no. booed off stage. Exactly. boo earned. Get off. Coming back to yeah. your, your comment about the um, VHS tapes, that's how we, uh, basically, that's how we used to enjoy The Simpsons, wasn't it? Yes, yeah. Every week, every week, another friend would just bring the new episode of The Simpsons around yours on a usually on a Sunday night, I think, and we'd just sit there and laugh our heads off. Well, it's it's easy to think that, I think the, the comforting thought of the mid to
0: late 80s and then flow that through to the nineties is that everyone in the UK just got satellite dishes and enjoyed, you know, Sky TV. That was not the case. No, it wasn't. Um, it was expensive and not everyone could afford it and not everyone wanted it. And in fact, there was a bit of a backlash. My dad was a real anti kind of satellite dish, stroke satellite TV thing. He hated the idea of that. I pay a license fee for the BBC. Why the hell would I pay for anything else? That was his real, that was his MO. And Sky TV, no matter what they dressed their Programs like was never going to be something he would partake in ever, and I didn't have the financial wherewithal or the credit capability or anything else to go and just get that off my own back. Nor could I ever just could have. We <laughs> were at school, that's why. Well, even just after school as a early teen. Remember nowadays you have to go to school till you're eighteen, but that, but when we were at school, when we left school at sixteen, you could have got a job. Yeah, yeah. But even then, the idea of thinking that I could get a satellite dish installed on my parents' home without their permission and just you know just <laughs> and them accept that was okay. It's just an anathema to anything that would stand in the real world. They, you know, I would have been murdered and strangled and killed. <laughs> yeah, I would, have, I would have come
1: round. It's great, No, he's dead. No, he's dead. We, mur- we murdered him. Oh, yeah. you got Sky. <laughs> but yeah, I see you've I got a satellite dish. That's why he's dead. Yeah, come and watch it. It's all right. It's quite good. <laughs>
0: <laughs> we have to kill him, though. Exactly. So, I imagine, I mean, there's people that listen to this podcast who understand that where we come from with this stuff. And there might be people who don't. I don't know. Maybe mm-hmm. there is. Maybe there isn't. But... We vicariously enjoyed Sky TV and MTV and all the other things because mm-hmm. quite honestly, I had parents that point blank refused to pay for it, even though they could have yeah. afforded it, affordability yeah. otherwise, it was never gonna be on the radar. Crazy. Well, we, it's crazy. We, isn't we, can, it? we we can't afford it, so that was that. It's crazy. It's crazy. I mean yeah. Gary, Gary didn't have it either, did he? I don't think he No, no he didn't know.
1: No. 9th of May Ireland's Johnny Logan wins the 1987 Eurovision Song Contest with "Hold Me Now." Yeah, can you hum it? Can no. you remember it? Right. There's an interesting
0: thing because that led me down a garden path, and the no, garden and the garden path was there's actually a full list of UK entries. Don't click on that link, by the way. I I think you just have don't click on that link I haven't we'll post it in the show notes a full list of all the UK entries for the Eurovision over the years all of them they're on there one of the great things about Wikipedia as much as it might not be accurate is that people do populate things like all of the entries of certain countries over a certain period of time for the Eurovision what that led me to was can you identify (laughs) the Eurovision song from the Eurovision Pong so (laughs) I'm going to give you a list of <laughs> Eurovision song entries. You've got to tell me if you think they're real or they are, you know, Euro trash.
1: So, okay. So, these could be from any country, could they? Or is it, are they all These UK? are all basically UK. As long as you've not looked at the list, these are UK. I haven't looked at the list, okay. I haven't so looked at anything. These, no, um, we're just going to go
0: for because, you know, if it was Euro without sounding crass, they'd have to be multilingual and these aren't. So, just let's just go for basic UK. Okay. So, are they, sorry, Euro hit? or euro shit Um, you decide so (laughs) the first track of our listening is lippy lappy loo i'm gonna say euro hit (laughs) no that's a a (laughs) euro that's a (laughs) euro shit i thought it was too stupid it had to be true (laughs) we're off to a bad start okay the next one is why do i always get it wrong euro hit that is a euro hit from the 1989 group live report boom bang a bang Oh, that's Euro hit. That is. it is. That's Lulu 1969. Yeah, I recognise that one. Wang a dingle. <laughs> Euro shit. Yes. <laughs> that's not real. Okay. My love is heart shaped. Oh, Euro shit. That, that's that's sorry. Yeah, that's actually my heart is love shaped. Sorry. Um, but that's actually that's true. And that's oh, from God. love course. Okay. Knock knock, who's there? Euro shit. That's that's real. That's oh, from God. Mary, <laughs> Mary Hopkins Mary Hopkin in nineteen seventy. It's a dreadful title. Touch my fire. That's got to be Euro shit. That's real. That's uh, (laughs) Javine in 2005. Ring-a-ding girl. Yeah euro hit that is from ronnie carroll in 1962 floppy flap flap <laughs> Euro shit <laughs> yes that is and diggy Lou, uh, diggy Lou, diggy la euro hit that's a fake fake oh. that's a, that's euro shit. I, I made that one up Other <laughs> i have to say there was one called diggy Lou diggy lay which could have thrown you a there curve you go. Uh, yeah thrown there you a go just shows you that uh the eurovision is an intro it's it's genuinely a really fascinating an interesting precursor to the <laughs> politics of the world. Because um, if you look back at that list, there's a really interesting delineation. Oh, no, we'll post the Wikipedia link to all the UK hits of the Eurovision. But just look at the ones that were in the top 10 pre-1984, maybe 85. Yeah. Then look at, actually, it's 1990 almost. Then look at, because I think Katrina and the Waves won, I think, that year. Then look at how we have scored post-semi-Brexit. It's, it's all kind of obvious where it's going. That no.
1: <laughs> nil point not... is the <laughs> yeah. Didn't we score nil point this year?
0: Uh, we just we have scored nil point, I think, for the last few years, at least nil point or very, Yay. very, very early point. Un point, <laughs> Un
1: point, <laughs> oh, <Or> deux point. <laughs> we, we just don't have enough key changes and we don't have enough uh, ma- maids of milking on stage. No, what we need is we build you up,
0: we build you up, we build, <laughs> we build you up in the pin up club. They should just just don't just, just release that. I'm going to put a clip of the pin-up club right here. (laughs) And then you'll know what I'm talking about. But just imagine that when they sing that song, they're all topless. But it's sung by men. Yes. Well, you. <laughs> right, no, tenth, it's not. It's not. You, of... you've ruined it. But no, you. It... <laughs> just, be, just for you.
1: <laughs> Bearded men, really hairy, hairy yeah. men. <laughs> called Ben. Bearded men called Ben. <laughs> Absolutely. Imagine it's sung by centaurs. <laughs> swinging <laughs> around and then it so, just... you know clippity cloppity <laughs> right 10th of may on a more somber note ITV airs escape from sobibor sobibor Zobivar. A made-for-television film telling the story of the mass escape from the Sobibor subibor I don't know how to pronounce that Sobibor, extermination right. camp during World War II, the most successful uprising by Jewish prisoners of German extermination camps.
0: Escape from Zob- Sobibor is a really great um, made-for-TV movie. It's, I don't know if you remember it. Maybe you don't. remember I don't remember it, remember it at all. No. It's um, it's really good. It's Hauer and a really good cast in there. I think it's got. Um, What's that guy at Freebie and the Bean in there? James Khan Alan Arkin. Alan Arkin. Alan Arkin. There. It's a really good cast. It's a really good, well-produced TV movie. And I think it was one of the first, because all of the previous Escape From type movies of this type had been Escape From, um, the, the, what's the one? The, the one with the, build, the the tunnel underneath the Nazi base and... Great Escape. Great. They've been Great Escape style stuff, and there's a kind of a joviality about The Great Escape. As much as it's really bleak and it's really horrific, and the stuff that they go through is horrible, the music, mm-hmm. I think, is kind of. <singing> it's not, it's not, hey. Yeah. This Escape from Sobivore is there's really sombering moments about the whole idea of what they were going through. And I remember it really left an impression with me at the time. Partly because there's that whole moment because obviously not everyone escapes from the top of all the, the reality of this. Like with all of these escapes is that, you know, is, there's a significant proportion of people that don't make it through. But this is a really great TV production. And it's something that I think people should go back and watch again because it's really, really good. It's really, really, really good. I really, I, I mean, my intention is to go back and watch it again. I remember watching it at the time thinking, this is ace. So I'm going to do that.
1: I I really don't remember any of it. I think it's probably not something I probably would have watched at the time. But yeah, I probably if it's a, if I can find it, I might give it a view. If you say it's good, I will, I I will check it out. Okay. I imagine it's bleak. It is very bleak. Very it, okay. well. It's bleak but uplifting
0: in the kind of way that these things are.
1: Kind of like Schindler's List style. Yeah, yeah, bleak. yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. You know, some of them escape, and it's 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 told in that kind of great escape kind of way. But it's just. I'm going to have to watch it again. I remember it really left a real deep impression on me at the time. And I remember thinking that it, this was one of the best sort of World War Two slash extermination camp type films of that kind I've ever seen at the yeah. time. And I hadn't seen a lot of them. And... And it escaped that kind of heraldry, but it still held that kind of positivity about the fact that some of them escaped. And that it was the way they did it, all the wrappings of an escape plan. <laughs> you so really this, get involved this, this, in this it. Sort of, yeah. It's the
1: strength of the human character and stuff. That yes, yes, yes. About that.
0: Definitely worth doing.
1: So that's uh, Escape from Sobibor. That's it. That really is it for TV. There was not much on. So let's move on into film. Even films, there's not much this month. Anyway, let's really. what we've got. We've only got three films, but uh, the first on the 1st of May, you could have gone to see Jumping Jack Flash. Ah, that's the... Uh, what's her name, isn't it? The Whoopi Goldberg. Whoopi Goldberg movie. It's her first... It's not her first film. She played Seeley um, in... Uh, Colour Purple. Yes. So that was her first big role, but this was her first... Breakout. Let's say, s- breakout starring lead role. Is this
0: what led to Ghost, or did this the one lead yes. to Sister Act?
1: Well, I was just looking at it because I thought this was a... Uh, I wasn't sure, so I just had a quick look. Um, Jumping Jack Flash is the first. It's a it's a it's a first big breakout movie. It comes basically, you know, just after uh, the, the Color Purple, so it's eighty, obviously eighty seven, eighty six, yeah. eighty seven. Um, Ghost is uh, nineteen ninety, eighty nine, ninety, and then and then Sister Act is ninety two. Okay, so so, so it's the, definitely Ghost then. Yeah, yeah. So this leads to Ghost, and there's not much in between those films or sort of thing. But this was a quite a performance. Is very you know isn't in your face is. Whoopi Goldberg being Whoopi Goldberg basically mm. for what we sort of was expecting. And so this was I imagine I'm not going to I don't know but I think I can't think of many films that weren't black exploitation films that had a black uh, female actress as the lead no um, around many. this time um so I think this is maybe important in those respects. I don't I'm not researched enough into it to say anything further than that but I don't I don't really remember many others that weren't those kind of period pieces like Color Purple no. or things like that. Um but this was I mean, I suppose you had, I mean, I don't want to say it's a female um, version of Beverly Hills Cop, but it's in that vein of a sort of wise-talking, wise-cracking kind of, it's, it's one of those kind of films. Good, yeah, it's good. You know, you, you know um, and it is, yeah, it is a good film. So um, I think it's, I don't, I've not watched it in a while, but um, I do remember it being quite a fun film and sort of high concept of what it is.
0: Yeah, I mean, it's where Whoopi Goldberg caught my attention. And then obviously she was in the movie Ghost and a few others that came, came up, for me, she was Guinan in Star Trek. And <laughs> I knew you were going to go there. <laughs> well, but that's where, she, that's, that's where the mainstay of her performances are for me. Mm-hmm. And let's not forget that she's in also the Star Trek movie with Kirk and Picard. Um, yes. So she's in that in a, quite an important pivotal role. And she also is. she features in some of the most significant Borg episodes as well. So her character Guinan may not be it's kind of a sort of side character almost, really, but she plays a very important role in the Star Trek universe, and she got that on the back of, I think, some of the variety of performance. I mean, it doesn't link necessarily to the character in Sister Act of Jumping Jack Flash, but I remember her more for Guinan than I do for Jumping Jack Flash, I have to say. A great actress all the same. And Sister Act, of course, well, that's a that's, she's great in that, and that's a great film. Both Sister Act, Sister Act and Sister Act 2, she's great in both of those, so fair play mm-hmm. to her.
1: Yeah, 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 decent decent stuff. So you could have gone seen that. You wouldn't have had anything to go see for another couple of weeks. And then you went to see something very different. On the fifteenth of May, we had a House Two, the second story. Yeah. You're a house fan? Um,
0: I have some memories of the first house movie. But I don't remember much about any of the sequels of the House movie. So the House Two, the second story, is a bit of a miss for me. I don't know, quite know what it's about or anything.
1: Yeah, they there are you know sequel of returning, returning value. So House, the first House is quite interesting. And it's the one of the early ones where a guy buys a house and it's haunted and weird things happen. And he ends up, doesn't he end up if I remember rightly, uh, going through a door and ending up in Vietnam at one point? Yeah, and something all kinds like of strange that, stuff. I think. Um, and there's this sort of monster... Is it the mother-in-law or the mother or something is kind of wandering around chasing him? Some, yeah, some something big, like that, yeah. Big female sort of monster type thing. Um, house 2 is... Um, I think I, I seem to remember it being more of the same, but I don't remember it being more as comedy good.
0: as I remember it.
1: Yeah, I think so, yes. It's, it's the same house. A new owner gets involved. It didn't star William Katz, who was in the first one. It had Air, Air, Airy Gross. You'd recognise him if you saw him. It also had Royal Dano in it as Gramps. <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> just uh, in, case you, in case you wanted to know Bill Maher, I recognise him John Ratzenberger's in it, he was in the first yeah. one as well, yeah Cliff from uh, Cheers yeah, 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 so that's House 2 it's not as good as the first one, which was uh, probably always going to be the case, wasn't it, let's face it um, and then again, you had another couple of weeks off until you could go see Michael Caine in The Whistleblower um, can that's you remember anything about the whistleblower that's a surprisingly good impression actually then
0: <laughs> no I have absolutely no recollection of the whistleblower at all
1: it's in that period of Kane's career where he just does these kind of British um, spy thrillers so this one, just read it off uh, IMDb, a war veteran tries to investigate the murder of his son, who was working as a Russian translator for the British Intelligence Service during the Cold War. He meets a web of deception of par- paranoia that seems to be impenetrable. So it's, an, it's one of those. So think of fourth, you know, f- not quite as fourth protocol but also there's that Hannah, Hannah, Hannah not maybe Hanover Street. Kane was doing a few of these around the time. And this is another one of those. Um, it's not quite when he was doing the Harry, uh, what's his name, Ipcrest files and things like that uh, early on in his career. But I just remember in the mid-80s, mid, mid there was just a few of these that um, he did. And I, I can't remember. There was, yeah, Whistleblower, Fourth Protocol. Um, there was another one as well. But um, Holcroft Covenant, I think. We mentioned that, I think, somewhere, didn't we? Um, I think that's another one. So there's these kind of uh, thrillery-type stuff in the mid-80s. They're all right. <laughs> you know, they're perfectly serviceable British films, but, you know, you're not going to go to the cinema to see them, not at our no, age. No, no, it's no. not It's not like we're going to be going, oh, Graham, 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 the new uh, new Michael Caine film's out. No. So we've got to go see it.
0: That's never going to happen. This is the, uh, by the way, the same guy that has directed at the infamous Pride and Prejudice with um, Colin Firth. So you know, Simon Langton, yeah, that's the guy. But that particular production, the BBC production of *Pride and Prejudice*, is the one that with Colin Firth going, "Oh, oh, <coughs> really? I just
1: boobies, really, boobies." Yeah, it's the one that got a lot of um, fr- frothing, didn't it? <laughs> <laughs> Should we say <laughs> that is the
0: collective? noun for the side effect of what happens when of,
1: of colin firth coming when, out the water there was there, it, was, there was there was there was much uh, frothing in the uk when that happened when a several colin firth fans get together they call it a froth a frothing of fans
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs> they'll put that
0: they'll put that screen on sort of thing and you can,
1: you can if you listen carefully you can actually hear it
0: oh, that's really grim <laughs> um, but yeah, he, he did that. It's, it's kind of put me off it now. He did. He did that. He was. He was involved. Well,
1: it, it was, but it was very, But it's that scene in Pride and Prejudice is well known as a as a, as is, a hot scene to say for, for women. So I don't you know, get.
0: Fine the attraction for Colin Firth.
1: Do you
0: know? I mean, no, I don't. I don't get it. I watched him in, in all of the movies that he's been in, whether it's Pride and Prejudice or so we the more modern ones, where he's been in, um, what do you Kingsman? call it? Kingsman? <laughs> in Kingsman. And what's that one that is in, what's her name's baby? Uh, oh, what's her name?
1: Oh, you're Bridget Jones. Bridget
0: Jones. When he's in Bridget Jones and everything else.
1: Yeah, but he's not supposed to be sexy in Bridget Jones. That's the whole point. I, I know that, but I just... No, but he is kind of
0: meant to be, but not meant to be. So that's the whole British kind of sexy thing, isn't it? That's the, that's the angle they've Do you not that like
1: him in, the, uh, in his section in uh, Love Actually? I like him in The Kingsman. That's
0: I think in that church fight scene in The Kingsman, I think he's genuinely brilliant. But that is an amazing sequence, all said and done.
1: <laughs> Are we talking about whether we just like him as an actor or whether we find him
0: hot? I think I will. <laughs> I'm just saying. I think he's good looking. guy. he's hot. I'm sorry, but he is. Sorry, <laughs> I'm glad to see you've come around on it. Yeah, he's a he's a, he's a fine looking chap. Yes, he he's lovely. But you know what? In Pride and Prejudice, no, he's lovely in that. I don't know what it is about him. What is it? What is it about him? He's, he's kind of <laughs> he's mesmerizing. Yeah, <you. laughs> <laughs> he is. I'm looking at it right now on the um, in this movie database, and, it, and I've changed my mind about him in the last three seconds. It's <laughs> got. I'm, I'm turning him off right now. He's, he's got like. It's he's got. He's you a, can.
1: He's a devil. You can never turn Colin Firth off. Colin, I'm going to call him Colin Froth
0: from now on because that's Colin, Colin frothing. Because that's what happened. But I'm just going to, I'm just going to take a minute now to change my pants. Excuse me. Excuse me a moment.
1: <laughs> yeah. Well, that's it, really, isn't it? We've got. That's it. That's it. That like, was your TV God. and film. <laughs> Indeed, short but short but frothy. Um, yeah. I think is I think that's, is that's the sort of his uh, Tinder take, profile. Take that. <laughs> that's Gary's. That is Gary's. That's his,
0: that's Gary's mo and his uh, Tinder.
1: <laughs> short, frothy, and angry. <laughs> you can have two. You can have two, but never all three. It's like the uh, tr- it's like the triangle of quality. <laughs> anyway, poor Gary. Um, he's a good oh, friend of the podcast. He is a friend of the podcast massively. <laughs> 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 Indeed. On that note. So, yeah, so there was uh, Network 7, Johnny Logan, um and escaping from so Johnny Logan a didn't weak escape from selection so of crap. Yeah, and that well, not not weak crap, just a small selection of decent stuff. Jumping Jack Flash, House 2 and the Whistleblower Were your films. There you go. That's your film and TV for May 87. We're going to take a break now. You can listen to something else. We will be back soon where we will talk about the last lot of games from this issue. Um and then we're off. So, uh, see you in a bit. <laughs>
2: The The novel Escape from the Commodore 64 by David Hearn is out now. Crash landing on a green planet full of vector graphics, can Sarah find a way to escape for real? Or is she stranded on a planet full of sun, sea and chippy tea forever? Imagine finding yourself in a cinematic karate game, having to rescue a princess or remain stuck under the run-stop key forever. What about finding yourself on a space freighter full of robots? Could you clear the decks? If you were transported back to a Wild West town having to round up outlaws, could you survive until sunset? What if you were a wizard with a cat who must color worlds? Could you beat the game, or would a virtual guitar solo announce your demise? Sarah might just be another visitor, but she doesn't want to stay a while, never mind forever. Available from Amazon and all good online retailers, discover if there's a way out in Escape from the Commodore 64. Visit DavidHernwriter.com to find out more.
1: OK, we, we hope you liked what you just heard and we hope you like what's coming up because we've got more games. We've got six, I think, coming up for our back end of this month. And Let's get through them and let's get into them. So, Graham, tell us all about pod p
0: o d pod the proof of destruction pod. Pod, mm-hmm. pod 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 no pretentious story no planets to be saved no nothing no nonsense no whatever this is a game which is strictly about blowing shit up and it is those are the promises of the pod pod uh, instructions. So this is from Mr. Sean Southern, essentially, with uh, some kind of Mr. Chip software. Don't know quite what that is. Um, it's Sean Southern anyway. There's a nice intro screen for this. It's,
1: it's what he does. It's what he
0: does the kickstart and stuff under, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. So it's, it's, it's it's Sean Southern, released through Mastertronic. This is a 25-level survival shoot 'em up essentially, um, where each level that you play is more difficult than the last. And they all promised these are the instructions again i'm I'm going by the instructions a lot in this episode they promise to be quote unquote balanced for playability so the game itself is a a color cyclotronic game on a grid with aliens flying at you that you must shoot they are on a grid which when damaged means you can't go over those parts of the grid that's quite a nice touch so they so it's a bit like a playing the game on a waffle really and if you break the corners of the waffle you can't go over the, the the corners of the waffle probably a poor description what (laughs) anyway so the the trouble is with this game is that you've got a cyclotronic color scheme in the background and a grid on top of that and then players and and centipede tap logic on top of that so the enemies sort of scroll down and shoot at you you shoot at them with your bullets the bullets are nearly impossible to see on this game because of the color strobing and the color cyclotronic effect and the Mm -hmm. raster bar inducing headache things in the background But the idea of it is kind of a centipede-type logic, I think. Certain levels are, anyway. Or at least the the enemies come from the top down, and you shoot from the bottom up. And if you miss them, you can blow up the grid that they're on, and that can render parts of the grid untraversable for you. And then it's a bit bit like centipede. I think centipede does that. If you miss and shoot them, sometimes it can grow a thing. And the centipede sort of spawns from that point, from the left and the right. I think so. So it's essentially centipede logic on a raster color problem is here we've just seen a game like this haven't we we just played a game like this with void runner this was this was void runner and i think void runner did it slightly better so this is a budget game at least at 199 it got 84 percent in zap and there are things to like about it so the pace is fast the game is fast everything works quite quickly you're straight into it and the one thing i'll say about a sean southern game is that it's programmed from the bottom down top up It's slick. So it all works really well. So there's no bugs, no flashing sprites. There's no nothing that doesn't work. It all works in the way it should. My main issue with this was that upon playing it, as much as I enjoyed playing it and it was a good shoot up, it felt like a, it was felt like Void And the main problem was that I couldn't quite distinguish the bullets from the background from Mm -hmm. the enemy bullets that were firing at me. And that meant the game was impinged in, in terms of my enjoyability and that, felt for me like a bit of a an issue because even at one ninety nine and even with only 25 levels and even with that nice, simple, you know, this isn't a game about this, this is a game about surviving that. I like that about it. I like those things. I like the presentation. The graphics are good. The playability is good. It moves fast. It's not as psychotropic as a Jeff Minter game, that's for sure. And there's really good things to like about this, but this is side by side Sean Southern's version of a Jeff Minter game. There's no doubt about that. And I wonder sometimes if this isn't a bit of a slap in the face. I don't know. But for me, as a player, this is a, a more playable version of a game that I'm going to get eye strain from. <laughs> but I'm still going to get eye strain from it, even at 199. This is Pod versus Voidrunner. I don't know. It's eye strain and a headache for me. I'm reaching for the... <laughs> I'm just reaching for the headache pills because these, these games are nauseatingly colourful and... I love that idea that there's all these amazing colour bar and colour effects with the C65. Don't get me wrong. There's a space and a time for that. But I don't know. Am I playing this game or am
1: I being injected with some kind of information (laughs) through colour schemes? I don't know. What about you? Yeah. I mean I'm the same if you had I put, If you had any retinas left after Minter's Void Runner then Sean Southern is here to finish off the job of destroying them completely mm. it's just, you know, this is another single screen shooter but it's on a grid and is reminiscent of Centipede once again however the difference is that when shooting enemies they destroy the part of the grid they are on so instead of creating a block that can be destroyed so this makes them move through the grid in different ways so, same logic as Centipede just a different way of presenting it so and this also impedes your progress around mm. the grid and where you can shoot them until the grid heals itself after a few seconds Yeah. You know, lead you to get stuck in places and die quickly. It's fast, it's frenetic, and the background effects make it incredibly hard to deal with the bullets and enemies that fly around the grid at quite the pace. And that's both positive and negative, really, isn't it? It's just it's yeah. just that thing, isn't it? It is what it is, and and there's no apology for this. This and Void are going to sit in this space where it's just going to be like we're just going to assault your, your eyes, and yeah. it's going to be fast and smooth. And, and like you said, I think Southern and, and Sean Southern and Jeff Mentor's games are always technically. Very smooth, very cohesive. There's no bugs. They work. They're fast. They're responsive. But you know, they have they both gone for this kind of style in quick succession. I don't know, you know, the, either what the deal was here. It might have been that they talked to each other and said, "Let's see if you can make the best version of Centipede." Who knows? You know, coders might have known each other and just said, "Let's let's yeah. d- let's do a version." Who knows? I thought this is a, a good arcade blast for two quid. I mean, for two yeah. quid, it's you know, like Void Runner. You're gonna enjoy. You're gonna enjoy your time with this, um, but you know, kiss your eyes goodbye if you play it for more than a few minutes. <laughs> Absolutely. Because you get to the third or fourth level, and it's just you think it's bad on the first level, and you get start getting to the third or fourth. It's like ah, <laughs> where, where? your eyes are broken after that. Yeah, they're fried. It, it really is. This is another 2001 going through the infinite, whatever it is. Yeah, you just see it beyond the colors. infinite, Yeah, yeah, you're seeing colors, and you'll see them for some time. Um, afterwards but if you like that if you can if you're you know if your eyes are not elderly and broken like ours then you may get you know you may be able to get power more into this but it is just wear sunglasses maybe I should play this with sunglasses Mm. maybe we should have a section games games with sunglasses Uh, maybe that would you know enhance our enjoyment it might help it might help (laughs) it very well might do but pod pod proof of destruction it's a simple game it's a simple single screen blaster that looks like
0: yeah and after you watch that stroboscopic effect for two hours you'll be simple You'll be simplified. you be like <laughs> You'll be, be looking for Gibbons. You will be you'll be gib, you'll be full on Gibbons. And if you don't know what that means, I'm gonna put a sound effect right now, which is a full Gibbons
1: here.
0: <laughs> so you've been Gibbons.
1: It will be. There you go. Good lord. Poor old Gibbons. Um, that's Pod. <laughs> <laughs> ah, the gibbons, the gibbons where the hell are you <laughs> there it is the gibbons he's with us in spirit alone that's it that's pod let's move on quickly let's un-gibbons ourselves and move on into our next one so from the highs of pod we have an arcade conversion uh, so what was arcade inspired, we, let's say, we have now have a direct arcade conversion. Uh, and what we have here is Elevator Action. So £9. This is, is this Electric Dreams you did this? I didn't note it down. Uh, I didn't note it down, but probably, um, but I didn't note it down. Probably. I think it might have been, but I didn't. Anyway, it's another week and another, let's just lay it down, terrible, terrible arcade conversion. Egg. Um, And and I this one really (laughs) egg indeed this really does have there's no excuses for this being so terrible none we're not talking state-of-the-art 1985 gauntlets 1985 nemesis we're not talking these big modern arcades this is a 1983 arcade game 83 this is ridiculous why is a 1983 arcade game ported so badly 1983 you know just just let that ruminate for a bit 1983 terrible So uh, what is elevator action Uh, before we get into stuff? There's a story of sorts, I guess. So you play Otto and you... So the basis of this game is kind of like uh, you start at the top of a 30-story building. Um, In the arcade, you come in on a zip wire um, and you land on the top and you have to work your way down, going down elevators, going down escalators and working your way to the bottom. As you work your way down certain doors, you kind of see it side on and each floor you go down has doors to the left and right of the central elevator. So some of those doors will flash. Uh, if they flash, you've got to go in them because the whole point is that you've got to steal secret documents on your way down the building. They are hidden behind the flashing doors. Out of other doors will come enemy agents and you have to shoot them. They will try and shoot you and you essentially, you just got to survive all the way down to the bottom, collecting the secret documents and if you get to the bottom, you are whisked away by a getaway car. That's it. That's it. I mean, this is simple. It's it's one way scrolling. Well, it's two way scrolling. It's up and down but it's the arcade doesn't look anything amazing. This is, you know, it's certainly nowhere near out of the capability of the Commodore 64, and we know it's not because we've already reviewed a game that was really based on this, and it did it with much better and was you know without too much issue. That was uh, Mission Elevator, which was a, you know a really good game and a, and a good version of this arcade game. So there's no reason why this game is this bad. Um, you'll never get to the bottom though because the problem with the is there is manifold. The visuals are ugly. I mean, really ugly. Mm. They look crap. They're just dreadful sprites, dreadful scrolling, they're glitchy, they're horrible, they're buggy. they're bleh. The sound is annoying. And the gameplay is full of bugs and bugs and that you'll fall through floors. You'll get whisked off the top of the elevator. Stuff will happen. Bullets will disappear. Bullets will go through people. Awful twitchy controls. It's really hard to enter a doorway. You're just supposed to push up when you're in front of it. But yeah, good luck with that because uh, you've got to be pr- pixel perfect. It's just crap. You can't get into anything. Bullet stuff. It, it's just rubbish. There's no excuse for any of this, really. We're four years on. This game is four years old. This machine is more than capable of doing a good version of this pretty decent arcade game. And they've just ruined it. It's a, It's terrible. It's. A, it's not a brilliant arcade game. It's not. But it is remon- remembered fondly by quite a lot of people. A lot of people do like this. Me included. And this is an affront. This is you know breakthrough bad. This is jailbreak bad. Um, got twenty nine percent. I'd have given it lower. I think it's, it's it's almost so broken as to be unplayable in parts. So I hated this. I thought this was terrible, terrible version, um, and one that completely bypassed me at the time. So I'm 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 a, you know affronted that I've had to play it now. Uh, did you enjoy your time with the elevator action at all?
0: Um, no. To echo everything you've said, really. This was based on an arcade, really. Yeah. 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 I understand there was an arcade involved.
1: Just to say, sorry, it was uh, Quicksilver who made this, not uh, Electric no, Dream. No,
0: that's fair. This is an appalling conversion, and it lacked all of the fun of the arcade. Big, blocky, horrible intro graphics. Really dull, really dull uh, Dave Whitaker music. Buggy, nasty, horrible block sprites, tiny sprites. Doesn't quite work. Don't look right. Doesn't play well. This felt like someone had seen the arcade and then made this from the memory of it. (laughs) Yeah. And so it had horrible graphics, really bad sound, terrible game, just no, no, no. And at full price, get (laughs) (laughs) fed. Yeah. The worrying thing here is that, like you accurately have pointed out, this is way late. So late. This isn't elevator action. This is like elevator action. Yeah. You know, after Actionless. Uh, yeah, actionless. The set amount of time. Elevator action? Question mark. Really should have been the. I don't know. Yeah,
1: this should this should have been called um, Stana stairlift.
0: <laughs> yeah, it's supported it's by the quality. Uh, yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah.
1: Schindler's lifts. Because um, <laughs> yeah. there is a, a company called Schindler that makes lifts. There is. Yes, there is indeed. But like i said we already had this with mission elevator which yes, is we did really good and Smooth, it was better well made yeah way better just crap crap <sighs> At 895
0: you can take that price and you can stick it up your uh Sharlins road you can stick it up your elevator shaft <laughs> yeah stick it up your shaft yeah up your shaft 29 percent,
1: <laughs> massively up your shaft get lost goodbye so long Ta ta, goodbye yeah let's move on because i'm sure we've got something good coming up yay I'm <laughs> sure we have. Yay. <laughs> <Sure> we have. <laughs> Let's move on. Graham. <laughs> Terminator. Yes. Bum ba bum ba bum ba bum ba bum.
0: Yeah, <if> <laughs> <only>. <laughs> Um okay, this is created by Gavin Rayburn, musician Gravin Rayburn Gax according to the information on the internet. This is... This is Terminator. This is a 199 game. Just hold that thought. Hold it. <laughs> hold it in your mind. The Earth is under threat, according to Zap, anyway. And I, I actually have a little bit of doubt after this, after the some of the reviews in Zap that have not been necessarily, especially in this episode, in this, sorry, issue of Zap, have not been truly akin to, like with Shockwave Rider, what the actual game was about Anyway um so the earth is under threat in this and you are in a spaceship and you've got to blow stuff up in a kind of this is actually sort of sections to this kind of game it's a side scrolling shoot essentially in a iridium ish vein um mm-hmm. so uh, you scroll left and right the enemies attack you and you have to sort of shoot them so round one you've got to kill the alien waves that fly at you now when I say iridium-like, it means you can reverse your spaceship's direction. It seems to take forever to do that. It's so slow. No, iridium is quick. When you turn the direction, boom, I'm to the left. Boom, I'm at the right. Boom, I'm at the left. This one's like, I'm gonna go to the three-point turn. It's the three-point turn of iridium. This spaceship is reversing. Beep, beep. <laughs> and it's like, okay, I'm gonna go back, and then I'm gonna reverse him. Woo! beep, beep. So, <laughs> so, if you imagine that kind of logic in a game that's a shoot 'em up, essentially side scrolling. So you got to kill the only waves in in round one, and and once you do that, you get to the next stage where you got to blow up the planet. Blob the planet core. So you shoot at the planet and it blows up. You won't because um, this game is bugged and it won't get that far. And then after that, apparently um, you've got to then go to the next stage where you sort of, you do a third thing. Now I say third thing because you're not going to get past the first thing. There's bugs in this game and it doesn't quite let you escape out of this sort of world of shooting stuff. I managed to get past the first stage of shooting the aliens out of the sky. Now, let me tell you, you blow up just by almost turning around <laughs> and, <laughs> I, oh, by blinking because yeah, i started the game i blew up instantly because enemies attacked me from the left hand side i was in the middle of the screen and i hadn't moved in time so okay lesson lesson learned game i'll i'll move so i moved out the way of those initial ones boom dead instantly because i hit a tree boom dead because it's just <laughs> you know, you're gonna die a lot in this game because because of stupid stuff so if you don't blow up in succession and you manage to make it through that initial wave. There's wave after wave of alien ships that are just going to do that. The idea of this game is that you can get through, blow the planet up and then there's, I think, 17 randomly planets to blow up. One Um,
1: more than iridium.
0: Yeah, and then, you know, you blow up the 17th planet and I don't know what happens. Maybe, you know, dogs and cats living together, harmonious (laughs) (laughs) instrumentation, you know, a lute can play with a... uh, Who knows what really happens at the 17th <laughs> level of achieving that. This is a blocky, badly drawn variant of Iridium. Uh, well, the Iridium sprite is the main sprite, essentially. The rest of the sprites are kind of badly drawn variants of I'm not sure what. The background's kind of a side-scrolling, jungle vibe, the one I was on. But in reality, even if it changed and varied massively, it wouldn't alter the gameplay. You can't move quick enough to not die, which is a real killer in this game. Literally a killer. So you were going yep. to die a lot because you choke. Like, I want to go to the left. <laughs> Beep. You're dead. Beep. 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 <laughs> Beep. Beep. This spaceship is... Oh, off. <laughs> <laughs> so you can't help but die in this game. There's nothing you can't do in this game apart from die. And they'll, you'll do that a lot. And you've obviously got lives. It's kind of an arcade heritage type game. Just... A side scrolling piece of crap is nonsense. It's rubbish. It's terrible. Please tell me you didn't like it because I thought this was no, awful. Of course not. But just one second.
1: Beep, beep, <laughs> beep, beep.
0: I'm <laughs> just reversing my spaceship. <laughs> beep. What do you think? Netto uridium. <laughs> That's
1: what I called it. <laughs> That's such a good description.
0: It's It's like
1: lower than Aldi, lower than Lidl, the Netto Iridium. It's it's Heron Heron Farm Food Iridium. That's, that's a seven pence loaf of bread iridium <laughs> Absolutely. Um, there is nice presentation to this at the start, but it can't hide this utter abomination of a shooter. It's so slow. And why have a landscape? The enemy logic is awful. The game is terrible to play. It's so slow and the shooting is crap. Why do you whiz on at the start really fast, but then can only ever attain about a quarter of that speed? Yeah. <laughs> What's well, going on there? It's like it's like you've been it's like you've been flung on by an elastic band, um, and then you've run out of inertia. As, what's the point of any of this? It may be two quid, and once again you have a quarter of Iridium, but that's not good. It's no good at all. The same guy um, made the equalizer. Oh God! Um, and he also why can't he come with the original name? He goes on to make games called Poltergeist. The Enforcer and Gothic, none of which, <laughs> by the looks of them, have anything to do with anything. Why is he ripping off names? and nothing to do with what you've made. It's awful. What's he doing? You're asking why. You know why. Well, I do. It's recognisable properties sort of something, but it's just really strange. This what does this have to do with Terminator? I mean, <laughs> you, you, what, oh god,
0: muscular
1: bodybuilders from the future. The one thing. <laughs> yeah the the one thing a shooter up has to have is fast responsive controls. yes, if you're hearing a van reverse <laughs> when you want to turn round, then you have failed in the one thing that a game like this has to have beep, beep, <laughs> yeah. <beep>. it's just <laughs> it makes ne- it's just awful it's one this is a terrible we've played some crap iridium style things like war. What was that? Even that Psychastria is better than this. Yes,
0: yes. At least it turned in a relatively it, short space of time.
1: It, it did, yes. You know, you didn't have to stick your hand out, you know, try <laughs> not to hit the curb, reverse back, As, ask, ask your forward. mate to guide you in. <laughs> <laughs> Just awful. This was dreadful. Uh, terminal, and it's a stupid name, and I don't like this. You know, this is, you know, we this and the equalizer, there's two people, there's two people do two games in this month and this, he's one of them and they both well at least Equalizer was an okay version of Wonderboy this is a dreadful version of Uridium Neto Uridium as I said yes oh it's made me angry right go work whip that uh, anger off I uh, will do because let's, let's move on to our next one beep beep, <laughs> beep. <laughs> <laughs> oh dear yes move on move along slowly <laughs> reversing slowly <laughs> Right, what's up next? Okay, so it's full price game, and this is The Growing Pains of Adrian Mole, a series of books that plagued my bloody youth. <laughs> um, especially certain things. Where's your ruler? <laughs> um, so, this is the adaptation of The Secret Diary of Adrian Mole. So, the, sorry, the adaptation of The Secret Diary of Adrian Mole uh, was actually reviewed in issue eight of Zap we never looked at it because it was in the White Wizard section. So it was we in the adventure section. That, we may do. We won't, but we may do. Uh, so I wish they'd done the same with this really because I'm going to be honest here. There's no game here. There's no game. This is an adaptation of the book, but there's no game. You know, I imagine that Portal is probably money. If you got to want to read a book, read a book. So there's the, odd, every now and again you get an odd choice. So you just, you know, three options now and again. Like what we, I, I got, I, I think I, I played it for a bit and I just saw that this is the logic. You basically, you get a lot of text with some imagery at the top. So it's like, looks like an adventure game, except it's not an adventure game. This is like a really early Twine game um, because you'll get three options and you just have to pick one. It's like, oh, so-and-so are getting married. How do you feel about that? Terrible. It's all right. Oh, I'll go get a present now. Pick one. It makes no difference to what comes next. You just get a bit of a telling off and then you get a score. Which it seems arbitrarily just a percentage out of something. I presume it's out of hundred, obviously, but I don't know what it's um, what it's actually varied on. So that's it. The Adrian Mole series of books, but well, they were because oh, obviously they were a bit of a phenomenon in the early eighties. Um, you know, they were really very popular for you know for various reasons. Mostly because yeah, you know, they were funny, the well observed stories of a fictional teenager growing up in Leicester, I think, and and all that that entailed. They were they were unusual. They were unlike anything else you'd kind of read before. So they were kind of breaking the barriers and stuff. And they were they felt modern and they felt relevant and they felt. Of the time, and they were very popular, and, and everyone read them, and then they got turned into a TV show with Judy Walters, and people like that, and then they got made into these gay... I, I hate to... I, you know, I'm not a not down on things that are not games. That's not my bad sort of thing, but this is not a, a game. It's, there's nothing to play here. This, is in itself, is pretty well written, but you'd expect that with the source material. But I don't know why you'd play this. You'd just rather read the book. You know, I read the book back then. I can get no further enjoyment out of this just because there's nothing here to enjoy um i don't see the point to it if you are interested enough to play this just read the bloody book rather than go through four painful painfully slow sections of non-gameplay because it's not even an even adventure there's no way to die you can't fail you just get a higher or lower percentage score i don't know people maybe led some people to read the source material maybe but this is 10 pound the book was probably about two quid back then what just why i don't get it i don't understand this release I i do it's marketing on the Adrian Mole name and that was a big deal back then. So I get it, but I don't get it because there's nothing here. It's not been made into a game. It's not been made into an adventure. It's just, it just seems, a, a redu- and I don't know why they reviewed it really and gave it 52%. I suppose it's all right in that respect because it's like the book, but does, yeah. Did you get anything from this beyond, you know, what did you think? Because I'm uh, at a loss with this. Uh,
0: I never got into the, the, the whole Sue Townsend book, deal with this and i generally avoided all things adrian mole for me this is a dull admittedly humorous ish trip into the world of an angsty teen which is somebody i neither cared about or wanted to relate to or had an interest in at all neither then or now the idea is uh, the idea of turning the book into something of a series of descriptive scenes with with multiple choices and some token blocky images didn't really do it for me strangely enough I tried. Yeah. I did try to get into it, um, but the notion of uh, going through a year and a half of a humorous of of a series of humorous teen anecdotes actually filled me with dread and, a, <laughs> and an overwhelming sense of gloom. <laughs> and I couldn't see it catching up. <laughs> catching on. I don't see it having any interest for non-fans of adrian mole which i am a non-fan nor would you want to repeatedly play through it the idea that it plays through different scenarios and crises and things and the way it works and and maybe there's an interesting thing for the people that like the book maybe is as a token side thing for the book if you've got the book and you want to play this and it speaks to an interesting thing about having media in multiple formats which 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 later down the line we take for granted you know, we have podcasts about the thing and we have shows, TV shows about the the main show and you know, sub-shows. This speaks a little bit to that kind of mentality and that's interesting in of itself. Not because of the game's any good because it's literally boring crap <laughs> but but because it represents something that is an extension of brand and that's quite an interesting thing in terms of marketing for those people doing an MBA who listen to this podcast if there's anybody who happens to be doing that. If you're not, it probably doesn't hold much interest for you. So... Um, I tried to play through this as both an interested party in the in the world of Adrian Mole, which I couldn't get into, and a non-interested party of Adrian Mole, which I couldn't get into. So I, I didn't find OE in. It's not for me. The way it plays out, the way you work the game is fine, you know, from that kind of interesting point of view. But it is very much about, what, one to three choices. And, yeah. and that's really it. That's all there is to it. So, you know, you choose your choices. And like you say, you get that weird arbitrary percentage score no other well, your decision has made you 33 percent less effective in this game it's not you know get lost you boring piece of crap <laughs> what you are is 100 less effective in my i'm going to play another game right now list so i don't know it's an adventure game wrapped in different trousers isn't it really one for the fans i think one for the fans of adrian mole maybe mm. because i think if you're a fan i mean I don't know if you were a fan of Adrian. It has all. to be a big fan. I mean, I liked the books. I read them back then and enjoyed them for what they well, were. I didn't because I knew a lot of teenagers at the time, you included. I knew what crusty sheep was going on. <laughs> I didn't need a reminder of the crises around that. Um, no, that was that was an awful thing anyway. So the, we d- yeah, barely a game. It's barely a game. That is. Yeah, name, was wasn't it wasn't a game was it really it's a text no, and a really. clicker clicking yeah. options
1: yeah rubbish rubbish uh let's move on so up next to <audio> so graham we have a, a another another budget title of budget titles tell us all about the joys of laser wheel
0: laser wheel the didn't didn't did a laser wheel this feels pew, like it. You could join pew, the, wheel pew, pew. Pew, pew. the wheel of lasers and fire the wheel of lasers. Laser wheel. Laser. It's a wheel with lasers. <laughs> <laughs> laser wheel. <laughs> <laughs> um, this is a Sean Southern coded game. It is another um, one. Two yeah, in a th- section. And there's a story to this. So some aliens have decided to invade the eight sectors of the hyperspace causeway I like to think of that as the hyperspace bypass, which is a little bit borrowed from our friends at uh, Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy. It is, yeah. Totally. So you pilot a spacecraft, uh, which in this game is the centre of the world, and you have to destroy the aliens and their bombs over various levels. Now, the game here is viewed um, from a top-down view, so your spaceship is in the middle and the sectors are shown on the screen, and they kind of... The enemies kind of rotate around you. Now, this is a quite a clever game in the way it works, in the way that, that it, it functions. But that is also its, wicked, its biggest downfall as well. So, if you imagine your spaceship is in the centre, and essentially you rotate, you use your joysticks to rotate left and right, and you shoot at objects that rotate on the on the circumference of the circle that you're in. And if you shoot them and you miss, then you get this kind of block that exists for a short space of time. And if you shoot that block, it bounces your bullets back and blows you up, and you lose a life. And these things rotate around, and you've got to shoot them. And if you shoot some of them, they split into two, and they go round the outside of the circumference pretty nippily. This feels like there's a game which is based around a similar concept on iOS, which is about atoms. And I can't remember the name of the game for the life of me right now, but essentially you are in the center of this world, and you shoot your bullets at different atomic objects and they split into their varying atomic objects. So you shoot something iron it splits into its component parts. I'm not describing it very well, but the principle (laughs) of principle of the game is the same. So on this game, if you imagine that you are a spaceship type thing in the center of a circle and you're shooting at objects that rotate around the circumference of said circle and some of the objects you shoot will disappear because you shoot them one go. Other times you might miss and you'll get an object that will appear arbitrarily and bounce bullets back. Other times you might shoot and they'll split into two and they'll whiz around the circle faster than that you might think. So the idea of the game to d- make the objects that appear around you disappear, <laughs> you will shoot them essentially. So you've got to blow them up, right? And the, as it gets more complicated, um, more objects appear, More, and this is all colour-based as well. So they start off with one colour, you shoot them. Now, if I'm sounding more complicated than it needs to be i think because for a 299 game and a laser wheel this game is a complicated array of options it's done simply so once you start the game and you kind of get the gist of it shoot the blocks essentially and shoot them repeatedly until they disappear don't shoot an empty space because you'll get a gray block and that'll bounce your bullets back and it blow up once you get around that kind of logic and you're rotating around and you're shooting it fine but the problem is this that's all this game is it's that and the main issue is that this is a slickly programmed, well thought out, well constructed and well animated game. The way the game plays in front of you is really, really nice. So it feels slick. The animations are fast. Everything runs as it should. Everything works. This is the Sean Southern game. Sean Southern doesn't do crappy games. So not wholly. So everything that should be in there works really nice as things d- uh, appear and disappear. Um, You go through the sectors of the game. There's an entire display around the area you're in. And the whole game feels like a really nice arcade. The problem is that arcades actually have a little bit more complexity than this. This feels like a, it's a really weird thing to describe. This feels like an arcade game that has not enough arcadism about it. So it feels like a bonus level. It feels like a bit like a level between two game Mm. levels that should have happened. It doesn't feel like this game has enough legs around it to support it as a full game. So it feels like, it's almost like you've played another game and you got to this level and this is a bonus level and you're doing it and you get past this and then you go back to the main game. This doesn't feel like a main game and I don't mm-hmm. think it is. I think this is a this is a little bit that Sean Southern figured out and graphically and programming wise and all those amazing things it really works well and it's slick it, it really works out the shell it works the problem is it doesn't not have enough coherency to be a whole game it's just what it is it's just rotating things around you that you shoot and it doesn't feel like the payoff is enough to warrant this entire game so it's a bonus level without its contingent non-bonus game parts and for mm. me that unfortunately what it feels like it's 2.99 so I might give it a bit of leniency in the sense that it's a well-polished game at that price but what it what else is there what else are you doing where does it go what what is it what is it leading to after you've gone past the, the 17th rotating screen of stuff you know are you not going to be bored by the seventh I don't know mm-hmm. um, that's my problem with it what about you
2: yes
1: yes you are um yeah it's still the show on Sunday game and and I'm just gonna put all the Competent programming to one side, because it is, you know, he's a competent programmer who can do his stuff, and it all runs smoothly, and it's all great. That's fine. The problem is, this is painfully dull. I thought this. is ima- This reminded me, from a viewpoint, standpoint, view, but it's that bit yes. from Empire where you were yes. rotationally yes. challenged yes. to shoot stuff. So it's the bit in space. It's that you know there you go that's it that's what this game is apart from there's blocks moving around the road the circumference and you shoot those blocks and they sometimes they change color and split and sometimes they don't and yeah yada, yada. because i found that the uh, collision detection was a bit arbitrary sometimes and not very yeah. reliable i'm so sure i shot something in fact the gray block i just just generated is inside the block i just shot like yeah it's quite an interesting idea i guess but it just gets really dull really quickly i thought, I thought the sound effects were pretty simple um and annoying uh, the graphics yeah they're, they're well animated but there's not that much of them at really. i mean there's your rotating ship mm. and i suppose the blocks going round are, you know rotatorly rotationally nice and i guess there's some clever clever coding here in, in that sort of respect and it works well but it just it's just not very enjoyable to play of the two sean southern games we've had in this section now just go play pod pod may be hard on the eyes but it's infinitely more enjoyable and more fun than this um, which I just, you know, it's it's really grey as well. This, isn't it? Yes. It's like the antithesis to Pod. <laughs> um, it's like he made one game which was like all the colours, and he'd used all the colours, and the Commodore sixty four that he was programming I went, "I have no colour left. All you can use are the grays <laughs> You've got all the
0: greys, and that's it. <laughs> You've
1: sucked all the colour out of me, Sean. Uh, you now can I can give you all my grey. Yes, he sucked all the colour out. <laughs> he did so straight out the RS-232 port or whatever ew just... no <laughs> um, and then we got left with laser wheel and laser wheel sounds like a really exciting name for a yeah, game the wheel dude this laser wheel <laughs> absolutely it's the wheel it's got lasers it's exactly it's,
0: lasers the, it's the sort of thing on that the uh, Ma- Michael McIntyre would be making a
1: killing out of it yeah but it's not it's more yeah. like um, you know it, it, yeah absolutely it could be a game show name couldn't it sort of but this is dull so yeah, dull, it's dull, more dull. like a broken wheel, like a. <laughs> it's not, you don't fire lasers either. The
0: spokes have kind of sh- shattered. It's it's all. You fire wrong. bullets. No, you don't. Yeah. So bullet wheel, and it's yeah. not on a wheel. Bull- it's just in the, a circle. Bullet, bullet circle. The bullet circle sounds really boring, doesn't it? <laughs>
1: Which is more accurate would to you, this game? Would you like to enjoy the bullet circle? <laughs> the sphere no. of death sounds
0: more intriguing than the
1: bullet circle. It does but either way, this is dull. 31% yeah. probably yeah. about right thats to where yeah. I'd put it. No,
0: less, yeah.
1: Yeah, all right. Let's move along to our last game of the episode. Oh, <laughs> thank God. All right. So, Cholo. <laughs> Cholo right. is our last game. I'm going to talk Cholo. about this because that... I- <laughs> All right. So this is fifteen pound on tape. <laughs> anyway. Why is it fifteen pounds? So let's let's cut to the chase at the very beginning, and then we'll get into it a bit. It's a plodding vector graphic 3D Paradroid ripoff. Thematically. <laughs> Wrapped up in a novella and the interface from Tausetti. Uh and not as good as anything I've mentioned. There you go. Cause I did mention the plodding, right? I didn't mention that bit. Okay. I did wonder, just as an aside, why considering the packaging and considering everything this is, why this wasn't released under the Rainbird label? feels you know rather than the fiber the packaging and games Seems to share a lot with StarGlider and tracker so um, you mean feel- rainboard <laughs> <laughs> rainboard yeah rainboard <laughs> yeah it seems to have it seems like that but i wonder if it's because this was ported from the bbc um and not the amiga so this was a comparable yeah. port whereas the down i don't know if tracker was on the amigos i don't know i don't know anyway whatever Somebody's doing anyway let's set the scene so okay so you get a forty-three-page novella. Did you read it, by the way? Yes, I did. It's a good I novella. Did, I, I didn't. It's not. Uh, the, so <laughs> no, it's <laughs> Sorry. good. It's good in, in comparison to the other Firebird okay. slash Rainbow novellas, of All which there right. has been like three. So the world has been scorched by nuclear fire again, and the only humans left alive live deep in a bunker underground, guided and looked after by the omnipotent central computer. All is well. There is no crime. No marriage. And everyone drinks Choco to go to deep, dreamless Why sleep no every marriage? night. marriage. That seems like a very strange thing to have. There are some very. There's. there's I no think. No crime. The, no marriage. <laughs> the, the, the novella was written by a. The, the novella was clearly written by a man. I'm just thinking. Like, no crime. No marriage. Some of, the, no. some of no, the descriptions are. It's almost the same as no woman. No crime. This is. <laughs> no woman. No crime. It's just, no marriage. No crime. So you play Jared who is the hero or the main character of the uh, novella. Um, and he is someone who basically, his job in the novella is he fixes issues with the computer in these small sort of service ducts. Um, and he feels, he's the only person that feels that something is wrong with all this, because of course he mm. does, yeah, blah, blah, blah. Um, you're also, Jared is also the best player at the rat game. Some It's kind of mentioned <laughs> in there, which <laughs> along with the, also did you also notice as well in the novel that there was a there, there was a game of throw the ball in the hole? Yes. <laughs> Of course That's it was.
0: the token game,
1: ball in hole game, yeah. Ball in hole sci fi game. Um, so, the rat game is the only entertainment available to people, and uh, Jared is the best one at it. So, he's framed for a crime that he doesn't commit. 18. Um, uh, yes, and is sent into exile. Um, but that is just a ruse by the computer. It's all spoilers, by the way. So, you know, you can go read it if you want, but it's I don't care. So, this is a ruse by the computer who in last starfighter style is using the rat game to see he was up to the task of navigating the deserted city of cholo which is the city above the bunker under which the humans live and allow them to return to the now safe surface by destroying hacking all the armed robots which prowl its streets okay okay so there's your there's your premise. So essentially the surface which they all they all think is irradiated, they're led to believe it's all irradiated and unsafe, has actually been sa- safe for about three hundred and thirty-two years. Oddly precise, but I suppose it's a computer it tells him or something like that. <laughs> and so but the only problem is there are all these robots roaming around that you have to hack and, and get rid of and whatever. So that's the backstory. And that's provided in the 43 page novella that comes with the game. I didn't think it was particularly well written. There's spelling errors, there's punctuation errors, there's way too many commas and there's some badly the dialogue is awful. Awful. <laughs> I mean awful. Um, it's really clunky, some of that dialogue. Yeah. Um obviously, you know, I've I've studied writing, shall we say. And, and uh that's clunky dialogue. Yes. Um, well, you're anywho, an
0: expert, so we'll we'll take what you say is uh, the
1: way it is. Time has not been kind to us anyway, it's clunky. Anyway, that's the setup. You says the setup. There you go. So what's the game? So the game is you start the game by controlling it from a first-person viewpoint, um, and I'll go into the technicalities of what it looks like in a little bit. So you control a small robot called Rizzo the Rat, um, and you've got to navigate the city and essentially hack, destroy the other robots, and find you've got to find these various information packs that are dotted around within computers. They aid you in your quest. They give you passcodes that, when you hack into a computer, uh, a, a, a droid, you've got to put the password in. Now, you, well, the first thing you find is like a a list of 10 possible passwords only one of them work on the thing you've got to guess which one it is so you have to kind of work this way when you when you ram into the fir- when you knock out the first droid and ram into it as you take over robots you can switch between them and i think that's quite a nice touch so eventually essentially what you're doing is you're building up like a small army of robots which you can flip between and the different robots have different abilities and different things so that's quite good that's not a bad idea so it's kind of like Paradroid, but imagine if Paradroid was allowing you to, to have a multiple droids that you could flick to at any one moment throughout the ship. That's kind of the idea here, I think. What you see, though, on screen is, a split, is the screen is split up into chunks, so kind of like what we saw in Tau So the top left, except not solid visuals, this, this is 3D vector. So in the top left is 3D vector graphics, view of the surrounding area. The top right is a really bitty map of the city the bottom left shows you what ramp packs you have found. And the bottom right is the message center where important info is presented like crash when you hit something. So from this premise, you might think this all sounds quite interesting, but I mentioned the plodding yeah, and the pop up. Actually, I didn't mention the pop up, did I? Because I was waiting to pop it up here. The game is slow. The vectors are really slow. And I mean, really, really slow. And they pop up really badly walls and buildings appearing just a few feet from you at times and it's so plodding and vacant it seems so empty because it's just white vectors on a black background and half the time you can't see anything until you've moved to, towards something and then suddenly it'll just pop up in front of you and a building will just be there like, ah. and it's just that's the problem the premise is quite good I quite like the idea of building up this army of robots to take over through hacking them and shooting them and finding these clues dotted about this landscape this city and you don't know why it, what's happened and you're trying to figure it out that's alright You know, it's a nice sci-fi idea the problem is it plays terribly because the the presentations. There are some nice presentational touches, like I quite like the way the screen that you mm. see through goes all like zeros and ones when you and the, the noise, mm. which is straight out of Power droid when you do ram into an enemy droid and you try and hack it, and you know that's quite okay. Uh, but it's those boring visuals, and and it's so dull and dull dull. <laughs> it's an the problem with this is it's another example of a game ported from to the C sixty four that just doesn't work well. If you, I, I posted a link, um, and I would recommend you do it. So I think I might post it somewhere on the Twitter. But go look at the BBC version because the BBC version is really pretty fast and it works all right, much better. It's way better. This is fifteen quid for a slow, turgid trek through an interesting sci-fi idea. If you want a badly written, cliche sci-fi novella, I'm sure there are thousands out there that are not fifteen quid. You no, know, I'm I, probably loads. But there's just no reason to play this game on this machine. The Amstrad. I looked at the Amstrad, the Spectrum and the BBC they're all better and they all run faster. C64 is not built for vectors and it shows here. So there's an idea here and I like some of the trappings around it, but the inherent game itself is just doesn't it's just boring. It's just really dull. I'm guessing you may have felt the same.
0: I feel the way the way I feel about C64 vectors is the way Indiana Jones feels about snakes. So it's like Vectors. Ugh, why did it have to be Vectors? Ugh. Oh, that's just
1: my pet Vector Reggie.
0: <laughs> so this is another Vector game from Firebird. Another novella to read because they have to justify crap Vector games. With, 15 quid. You know, with 20 to 80 page novellas. Another tragic waste of my time, story, story. And the coding ability from the people, and this is made by the same people that made the Rainbird game. So this is from the same people that made, you know, Rainbird.
1: Starglider, glider So right. Starglider, yeah. Yeah.
0: So this is from the Starglider people. It shows as well. There's a nice intro screen, and that's where your enjoyment of this crappy piece of vector garbage is going to end. And it gives way to a series of vector craft in a menu-like display. So on the top left, um, there's a micro version of the Matrix on the top right. Did you see that, that green?
1: Yeah, that's what I said, that bitty image of a city, which is impossible yeah, to yeah, get any information from. I just from. thought that was like
0: a micro version of the Matrix. And <gasps> it was yeah. as comprehensible and as... Inevitable, and <laughs>
1: ergo, it was impossible ergo. to read. And concordantly, <laughs> I could not avoid the Matrix-style thing. And we f- felt that it was shown the anomaly of the of the decisions made by it, the developers exactly. in making this game. It was the
0: seventh version of that screen that I'd seen. Concordantly, ergo, um, anyway, um, so I just ignored that. The slow vector, white on black vectors, you know, lurched their way. Lurched is a new word I've invented. Lurched their way. <laughs> it, it fits. It, fit it fits into the screen. I was lurched out uh, by vectors. And they sort of, you know, they slump their way around. I sort of, you know, gloff my way around this. <laughs> I'm just making it worse because I think it works. Um, Around this sort of landscape-ish thing. I don't know what I was doing. Now just... I just encountering vector objects in in relative distance. So one second I'd be quite far away. Dig, dag dog. Soon they'd be closer. Dic-tac-tac. It was just horrible, blocky, juddery vector. All the things I hate about games of this type. So never mind this eloquent, you know, eighty-page novella description. That does not set the scene for this drudgery that you are befouled. Um. <laughs> <laughs> it, it doesn't. Now there are games that come along later that you know when we. I mean, I'm talking about things like Driller, where we know that there's limitations around the whole Driller filled vector thing and the speed of it and everything else. But they are at least exploratory things in a vector filled world, and there's mm-hmm. things to do. And maybe it works, maybe it doesn't. But this isn't anything like that. This is just that horrible vector graphic. Nonsense. Why do they do this on the 64? I can't, I, I cannot get my head around it. We have seen so many of these games come and go. Every Indeed. single one of these games has been utterly shit. Every single one. There hasn't been a decent, solely vector game on the C64, probably since Encounter. And I'm not even sure that's a really what you'd class as a fully. Vector game. No, that's
1: not vector. That's filled in. That's, that's what I mean. So that's that's, that's that sprite. Yeah, no. Essentially
0: sprite scaling, maybe. But so this this idea that you can have a C64 game that's a vector based, mathematically concluded game. Even Mercenary struggles with this, and Mercenary at least has the story and the story arc and the wherewithal to make it about something else. And I was able to settle there. now I was able to become you know what i needed to be in you know i opened hotels i became the mayor we, we have we've talked about that many on many an occasion we have Sholo, on the other hand there's no space for a mayor there there's no space for anybody <laughs> this is a nightmare world awful this is just terrible this is just a series of 3d interactions that throw themselves at you this is the equivalent of of walking down a corridor where people throw cubes and spheres at you just for random reasons that and and in actuality it's even slower than that they'd have to throw throw you these things in slow motion so it's just awful i don't like it i don't get it i don't understand i read the novel i didn't like it everything about this is rubbish The, the fact that this is 15 quid on tape is just an abomination beyond everything i can think of that is a proper slap in the face there's no reason for this to be anything other than two ninety nine for me, maybe even one ninety nine. Fourteen yeah. ninety five on tape, you are genuinely opening up your arse cheeks for a severe, <laughs> you know, pummeling. And you are going to be gaping like a like a like a fish out <laughs> of water after that. No, you are going to be you're a tuna fish out of water, you're a guppy. You're the you're gonna be a, a, a bottom hold guppy. <laughs> gaping and blinking and, and going <laughs> and that's what's gonna happen. <laughs> Chol, chold, yeah, exactly. And you're it old There's nothing about this, and I get it. I get the idea. I get, I get the m- m- mathematical programmatic skills. I get it. I get why you'd want to try this thing. But it's if you haven't figured it out by now, I'm just going to say this to you once and for all: the Commodore C64 is a great machine, beautiful graphic chip, amazing sound chip, but it has not got the graphic power for. Lots of push the, the processor. No, it doesn't have the mathematic processor. Stick to sprouts. It's got hate eight, eight <laughs> hardware <laughs> sprites. Stick sprouts. Stick to sprouts. Stick, stick to sprouts. sprouts. It's better than this. Put, the, stick. put them up, your cholo rolls. Yes. <laughs> stick to the hardware sprites. Just stick to what the, the strength of the machine. Sprouts, sprites. This has a broccoli. Bro- <laughs> broccoli, peach, cauliflower. This, all kinds of stuff. The C64 do has irq interrupts it has scrolling registers it has the ability to do these things in hardware so stop mm. trying to make it do mathematical complex calculations and make games have of it because it is now the, at the point where you are shitting in an egg cup and you've smoothed <laughs> that shit to a, an egg shape but i'm not going to crack it with a spoon not anymore i'm done now i'm done I'm, I'm done
1: with i'm done with cracking shit eggs with shitty egg cups Get lost. Can't tell. Yeah, just because Easter's coming up, don't shit it in a egg cup and, and call it an Easter egg. And
0: no more sprouts. Eight hardware
1: sprouts. It's enough for me. Get lost. It's absolutely. Yeah. No software cauliflowers. No software cauliflowers. No
0: raster no cucumber sprouts. interrupts. No hardware sprouts. None of your veg-based chicanery. Just stop doing vector stuff because the, the VIC chip and the CPU cannot cope with it. Like I can't cope with it. And stop writing eighty-page novellas to try and justify that bullshit. Stop it. Especially Don't do that. Not very good. No, just no. no. And then, you no. Know, and then the dark times came. Yeah, they did. They did. Yeah.
1: They did indeed. No, yeah, no, every no. Every morning. Stop farting um, in my face. Get lost. <laughs> here we go. That's cholo. Chol off. Chol off. Yeah. Chololol. Um, we didn't like cholo. So what have we looked up? So in this episode, what have we looked at? (laughs) Um, We looked at, because we've got some crapverts to come up. We've got a couple of crapverts. Crapverts. Always a a bone arse. Uh, We looked at Shockwave Rider, Cyber One, Conquest. There was a lot of budget crap, wasn't there? Conquest. Uh, Sunstar, uh, which is weird. Aliens, the activism version of Aliens. We looked at films. Uh, We looked at uh, Pod, Elevator Action, terminator the growing pains of adrian mole laser wheel and cholo apart from pod that's a a bad last section in it yes it's not great Mm. Ass crap. pity us pray for mojo right let's move on quickly we've got some crapverts to look at so the first one is (laughs) this is crap uh the advert for the edges warlock was this only released on the amstrad uh it says coming soon for c64 and spectrum Oh god! That means we have to play this rubbish. We might the have Doom to play Lord this The Doomlord is troll. The Doomlord <laughs> is warlock. <laughs> the Doomlord w- is goblin. As, as goblin. This, so what? So Graham, do you want to do you want to give us a description of this uh, great advert that we've got before our eyes?
0: <laughs> it's it's got the edge, the classic edge logo at the bottom. Oh, the bottom ish, and then there's the ferial description of the game: enter the realm of damsels, dragons, ghouls, and dwarfs. <laughs> Mm-hmm. those four things aren't the usual things I'm just saying dragons ghouls maybe damsels and dwarfs it just sounds like a it sounds like an, an 80s nightclub that's Into the d d ra- you don't want to play you don't um, of castles this is, the, this is a weird arbitrary list damsels the dragons list, yeah. ghouls and dwarfs of castles dungeons caves and magic as the doom lord you take the form of a warlock why wouldn't you just be the doom lord to do a battle with the forces <laughs> of good alright so you're a baddie in this I, I, okay that's yeah. the twist Use your magical powers to change into goblin or troll forms and seek the orb of power, which will assure you a victory in final confrontation with the white wizard arm. Oh, just cackle. The graphics on this is stupid. So, the main stay of this is a wizard battle where the main wizard in red with his shiny, what? looks like magic eight ball magic eight ball <laughs> and his wizardy zap stick and things is firing at an alien who uh, if i have to say alien is not a wizard because he, he has an alien hand he doesn't have a hand he has a claw yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he
1: has a pin he has a pincher he's crab man he's, got, crab okay, wizard. he's a crab wizard he's a crizzard
0: <laughs> he's a crizzard and he doesn't look really that bothered he's just like oh the ball's gonna hit my hand that's because oh. that's not his claw <laughs> that's weird but uh the game title is above that warlock and then it's these weird pictures underneath it said the doom lord as troll and there's a picture of i think what looks like john bishop um <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> like a like a like a, an evil green john bishop <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and then it, <laughs> it, it is it genuinely is it, it, really it is, is. He's going to be liver in that troll i don't doubt that about it what the f is happening <laughs> The, the Doom Lotus Warlock in the middle there is definitely... Well, how would you describe him? He it, it, it just, like, just looks a bit shocked. It looks a bit shocked at his red eyes. He looks like the drummer in a hood out of a thrash metal band. <laughs> and then the guy in yeah. the far right is a pig-nosed, pointy-eared freak... <laughs> a goblin? I think that's just that's kind of the look. It's yeah, not a great look.
1: He's, he's got he's got um, he's got cock and balls for a nose.
0: Yes, he's a, he's a cock nose, and that's a, an <laughs> awful thing for a, a goblin. And then in the background there, there's a castle which clearly has been borrowed. That's a, almost an exact replica of the castle from Krull. So I think they've just drawn around <laughs> yeah. the castle from Krull because the castle from Krull appears wherever it wants to appear. And I think that's pretty much that. And then you've got this weird clawed hand white wizard. <laughs> Fighting the evil red wizard with his uh, magic eight ball, or what looks like actually a hive controller for a heating system. <laughs> <laughs> so, so he's gonna he's gonna put his heating on full blast for two hours. It's very expensive to do right now. Night yeah, it, yeah. <laughs> it does look cold here though. No, no put your, He's gonna put his heating on maliciously. Put his heating on. He's like no. My government <laughs> um, subsidy won't cover that, you evil bastard. <laughs> terrible, terrible game. But I, what I can't believe, there's that, there's that supreme multi-role arcade fantasy is from The Edge. What's going on with The Edge? They were kind of, I thought they were cool, but they're not cool, either, they really?
1: Don't forget as well, you've got the, the blue ball thing that's flying out to the right. Well, is it on a stick or is it just? I, I don't know. I don't know. I think it's on. I think it's a. It's another eight ball on a stick, isn't it?
0: Yeah, so, so, it's, it's a, a really magic bad wand. advert. It's, it's just terrible. all over the place. Yeah. It's just
1: it, the yeah, the white wizard guy. Just he looks really unbothered.
0: He looks very bored, and his his, be- <laughs> his beard and mustache is not as blown as the guy in the red cloak, who's clearly got massive amount of windage on his face <laughs> so all I, can do, all I can think is that the wind that is summoned is just very localised to his close vicinity <laughs> to his face it, but yeah. it also hasn't affected his cloak in any way shape or form so just his beard is affected by that wind <laughs> he's, he's got beard wind <laughs> he's got, he's got <laughs> men, winding of the beard <laughs> massive winding of the beard <laughs> <laughs> but it hasn't affected anything else including the lightning bolt because it would have affected it and you can see there's no. a strong wind from the castle in the background because of the light streaks but that hasn't affected anything other than his beard. And it hasn't affected the white (laughs) wizard's beard. So it's a very localised red beard wind.
1: (laughs) Only those in the red cloak suffer from beard
0: winding. Yeah, winding of the beard. Massive, massive winding of the beard, yeah.
1: So, yeah, that's a a really good classic crap, but I thought back to the almost old style of just nonsense rubbish chucked together. It is utter shit. shit. Here we go, that's that one. Wait till you see the next one, which is... <laughs> oh, my God. Is this Hubble, Bubble, Martian... Martianoid... Martianoid, Martianoid Trouble. trouble. The, fact,
0: Ultimate. the fact that we had difficulty reading that. Martianoids... Sounds like something that you would go to the doctors with.
1: <laughs> I've got a right case of the marginal. <laughs> case of the Yeah, you were in here last week with bearding of the wind, <laughs> winding of the beard. Sorry. <laughs> Both. <laughs> it's just, I like the idea. That could... that he brought the doctor
0: an album called Bearding of the Wind. I brought you this. <laughs> I brought you this. I told you before. I don't like it. I don't like I don't it. Like and, your pro- and you actually have winding of the beard, so just get out. I don't
1: like your prog nonsense. <laughs> Woke up Rick Wakeman. <laughs> and That's s- not
0: good. Soon may the Wakeman come <laughs> to
1: bring us sugar and tea. And <laughs> <laughs>
2: um,
1: So this is Hubble Bubble... I don't know. Just, tr- is it two games? I I think it's two games, Bubbler and
0: Martianoid. I don't know. There's too many typefaces and fonts going off on one screen at once. I guess guess that it's ultimate because of the three times that's mentioned. I don't like that weird alien backbone that's just in that image for no reason. With a jet propulsion backbone, it's like a spine.
1: Yeah, it's weird, isn't it?
0: And I can't see the writing. It's too... Minuscule to be descriptive, isn't it? Can you read that? Is that something you can read? Not I can't, really. I can't and it's just like it.
1: a crappy party party popper, isn't it? Going? No, on? it says something like um,
0: something. The wicked aliens from escaping prevent the wicked aliens from escaping the bubbling but, bubbling butholes buttons bottles bottles by collecting reeds corks, corks which you which will you will find when you
1: fall through a trap door. door
0: the further you oh, who cares? manage to, and, and why am I struggling with that? I don't know what it means, and I don't want to know what it means. This game is a, it's there's so it's many it. rainbow colours, and this is clearly a rainbow game. And there's nothing wrong with rainbows. There's nothing wrong with rainbow colours, unless you use them like this. This is how uh, when when you did them chalk drawings when you were like nine. Where you you get a wax crane and you colour it over with the rainbow colours in the background. Then you chalk over it with a black... And then you sort of literally get a scraping pen and you scrape the wax off it, I think, is the way Mm -hmm. you do it. It's one of those, isn't it? It doesn't show you anything. There's an exploding bubble bottle. I think it says bubble on it. Bubbler. Bubbler. And there's two of those. one in a box for some reason that's never explained. (laughs) (laughs) and one not then there's a it says Martianoid, and there's the spine an evil dark looking spine dagger creature in a box multicoloured box frame and then there's one out of that for no reason just sort of half cut off this weird what 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 is this I think they're meant to be bubbles dotted about but because they haven't put the little light shade you need in a bubble to give it that 3DS they're just they're just O's they're just O's yeah they're just they're
1: just rainbow circles aren't they multicoloured circles yeah So, so no yeah Nothing makes any sense here, and it's and I don't see what the two games have to do with each other. I mean, Bubbler, I get the Hubble Bubble, and then but Martianoid Trouble. I mean, that's really stretching the 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 rhyme to make no sense at all. And and what they were thinking?
0: Martianoids is a stupid thing to write, but if you're going to write it, you have to write it in a coherent, straight manner. Here, they've written it in kind of bubble writing, so it's like the writing is so bubbly, it's all over the place. And because of that, it looks like Martin's droid trouble, <laughs> Or and it doesn't look like Mart. You wouldn't read that and spell Martianoid. You might look at Mar, it might because you have to. You skip letters when you do oh, if you can't see anything in a straight line. So it looks like you know Martin's. You know,
1: does like Maria Maria Noid
0: trouble. Yeah, Maria Noid trouble, which is a, <laughs> the French lady who actually invented the question mark. But that's that's a which whole we all know means. To blaze. To blaze. <laughs> and the Hubble means... the Hubble bubble or the Hubble bubble is actually a very small micro fracture in the lens of the Hubble Space Telescope. You don't want to point <laughs> you don't want to point that out to people because it's a that's a scientific anomaly. That's things that you know, you're just making people feel bad generally about something that is wrong when they launched that into space. Yeah, no, this game's all kinds of wrong. All kinds of mm-hmm. wrong. To make all it look like an of... exciting firework, you know, shame on you, you know, ultimate play the game, whatever you are. It's a bad advert. But Ultimate used to do really cool adverts. This is terrible. Yeah, well, when they used their logo three times at different angles, in different ways, I'm afraid the dog started barking at that point. It's like, no. (laughs) It's like,
1: no, why have you done that? I still, I I, I like the idea that they've got some kind of... Have you put that logo on three times? Yeah, why? Well, the dog started barking. Because it looks like it's floating.
0: It doesn't. Why have you put the bottle in a a multicoloured rainbow frame? Why wouldn't you do that? (laughs) <laughs> all right gra- gra- graphic designer that's clearly on drugs um, can why, write a list why have you created the alien spine creature but cut it off cut off its head um because it needed to be in the box with the martian all right you know what you know when i cut off its tail it's 500 quid in a check get on the train and piss off and never come back you <laughs> f- dickhead
1: <laughs> you've got beep a lot this episode Oh, i'll beep it <laughs> it's all right. we're, we're good at beeping Get yeah, out. there you go um the return of the crap and they don't disappoint those no. are two particularly good crap very bad crap yeah very good let's uh wind up i can't find a chart or at least i haven't actually included one in this one so never mind no chart for this month so who cares no, we charts. Have, uh, no charts unless i put it above it did i put it above it no i didn't oh well shame on me shame on me shame um <laughs> shame 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 um, ring a bell bing ling ling shame Shame. All right, yeah. game um, right, what we got coming up next month. Actually, so with the magic of uh, modern editing, I've actually gone and found a chart now so we can have some charts um, and I can tell you what was going on according to Commodore user for May 1987. So let's have a look at this. Um, at number 10, we have uh, straight in, we have Nemesis. Uh, number nine straight in is Feud. Uh at number eight, down up from number nine, is 180. New in at number seven is Karate Champ. I haven't seen that, have we? No, at all. Yeah. It's from Americana, so it's obviously a budget one, The mm. budget re-release. Uh, in at number six is Arkanoid. Uh, up to number five is Microrhythm. People really liking their drums. Mm. Uh, up to number four is L.A. Swat. Uh, up to number three is Gunship. Up to number two is BMX Simulator. And Sitting Pretty for the second month at number one is Park Patrol. There we go. Just outside the top 10, Delta's in at number 11. Uh, any other new entries? Ollie and Lissa went in at number 15. Uh, Kanami's coin Up hits at 17. Executive leaderboard, 19. And Sport of Kings. I remember Sport of Kings. I used to like mm. that. Uh, so we might have that somewhere. Anyway, that's in at number 20. There you go. That's your chart. What have we got coming up next month? Uh, well, next month, uh, next couple of episodes, sorry. Uh, so that'll be what's June, June eighty seven. Uh, we've got games like Alpha Vida, Zane Monty, interesting. Big trouble, big trouble in Little China. Mm. I remember that being not good. Cyborg, the real cyborg this time. Uh, Death or Glory, Aye. Decathlon. Okay, maybe a Pass Blaster. Uh, Docs the Destroyer, mm. uh, Feud, uh, Go- Gods and Heroes. Ah, Hero. Okay, I thought that was old. Jumping Jimmy kinetic mm. uh, we've got masters of the universe God. uh nemesis the warlock okay good music we have the crapvert, good music yeah yeah, Krap- the crapvert nether earth mm. pitfall 2 late uh yeah river raid even later l- later romulus yeah. which was the other crapvert. so was. multi take off from romulus whatever it was uh secret of kandar mm. no idea star raiders 2 okay vampire vampire uh, sounds good like adventure. vampire a bit adventures of the late, late Realizing Jonathan Harker, Xenon uh, <laughs> Ranger, mm. uh, and then we have two sizzlers, Zenji and Zolix. Okay, okay. Sounds like budget don't games, recognize either I've never yeah, seen either be.
0: of those. There's a lot of games in that list, with the exception of the big title that everyone recognises. I'd say 90% of those games I have not heard of or played. So this is kind of interesting. We're getting to weird territory for me.
1: Absolutely, yeah. I don't, there's about, yeah, 50% of them I'm like, A, hey. what? so some of them may be old some of them we might look at some, I don't know absolutely. We'll I am
0: majorly intrigued by the Electric Dreams version of Big Trouble Little China I'm, I'm intrigued but I'm not holding out much hope but I'm intrigued because that's a very favourite film of mine so
1: mine too yes let's, so watch, we'll that see get, a... let's
0: watch that get bummed
1: <laughs> choloed <laughs> choloed Chullo out, max, absolutely. out. <laughs> an 80 page novella will not save that <laughs> absolutely I imagine it's going to suffer severe winding of the beard <laughs> <laughs> uh, i think that's it that's i think it. that's it for this episode anything more you want to add oh we should no. thank you know do you want to go join the patreon go on it's nice yes it's good yes on there.
0: you know we have a very incredible bunch of people in our patreon already you can join our patreon by going to patreon.com slash to the past and for the price me a measly price really of a pint of beer or less depending on where you're from um, you can have All of the amazing things that come with our Discord server and all the fun of that and all the exclusives and all the exclusive access to the early release versions of the podcast and exclusive interviews and other amazing stuff. What's not to do about that? And it really does help us and support us in in ways you can't imagine. It's cool. It's really cool. If You don't have to do it. You don't have to. There's no pressure. But if you do, nods to you. Hats off to you, and you can join in the fun of the Discord server. And I can tell you what: there's some amazing stuff going on in that Discord server right now. So it's a really mm. cool place to be. So
1: come it and is, join the fun. You know, and I need some way to keep me in uh, Coke. So uh... <laughs> there is that. That's
2: <laughs> how <laughs> so, so I do there these is. episodes. So I keep going. There is what's that. getting me
1: through these games. There is that. There is that. Right. So on that note, that was uh, episode what fifty three. <laughs> on that note, yeah. On uh, that, that confessional was it, so... note, yeah on that confessional now indeed, please don't arrest me. I have been Adrian Mills, I have been Graham raddings. uh, we have been winded of the beard, <laughs> bearded of the wind, whatever, and we've also been Zapped, and you've also been listening to Zap to the past. We'll hopefully see you again, not see you, talk to you again. You can listen to us again next week. Oh, is bearding. Just check out that beard. <laughs> Watch, Check watch, it out. Watch for beards. <laughs> Especially when they're flapping with no visible wind or anything else. <laughs> watch for the winding of your beard. Absolutely. It can happen to the best of us. Goodbye.
0: Thank you for listening to the Zap to the Past podcast.